You're listening to episode 195 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Listen to that booming voice. The voice of our leader, the man who's so good at Super Smash Brothers that it leaves an onslaught in his wake. I raise a damn <laughs> toast to our king. Bottles the laws when you're drinking claws. Woo! No laws. <laughs> Cheers to the king. Oh my god, was this pre-planned? Oh, it bit. was. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Wait, did Marco have a drink? He yeah. should. Uh, Marco it's Marco. always has wine. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> oh, that's part of the show now. It's just it's the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's actually a coping mechanism. So Phil's, he has a Phil's on vacation, so That's he true. roped me and Kale into it. It's a coping mechanism for Marco because he has a read onslaught. It's a way to help him get through it. <laughs> of course, of course. Fair enough. I understand that. I get it. By the way, we're supposed to be uh, the Comics Pals Gold. You know, oh, like oh right. yeah. Huh. That's funny. I got a nice little booster gold there. Right here. Hey, nice. Nice. <laughs> Jinx, Marco, you owe me, uh, you owe me onslaught. more onslaught. No, yes, Serena oh. <laughs> onslaught too now. Oh, onslaught reborn. <laughs> oh no! Can I say? All right, so oh, here we go. <laughs> Get on the soapbox, Sean's soapbox, it. be specific. I, I don't know what the hype was, man. It's not terrible. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not bad. Like I, I, I'm here, I'm reading it. I'm, I've jumped in and. I'm following. I, I I I see where all the pieces are going, where they're heading. There's some like executional things, but I mean, bro, I read Heroes in Crisis. That's not that level. <laughs> Get the hell out of here! I'm, I'm telling you, dude. I'm telling you. I it's either you guys overhyped it or I don't know, but it's not bad. Yeah, how far? Uh, are you? I finished the first book, so I finished the first book. Uh, I've I've gotten to like some of those quotes that we've li- we listed on the past. The dream is dead, but in context of it, like it's this attack on Jean Grey, who uh, had previously helped <laughs> Professor X hide the fact Whoa. that he had died. Someone attacked Jean Grey. <laughs> That's never happened, my love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He says My that. Wife. He says that. Me? No. Yeah, uh, Professor X. Yeah, Sean yeah. makes a cameo. Always. <laughs> Professor so X at some point. Attacked. Uh, at some point, Onslaught pokes and probes uh, Professor X's mind and tells oh. and and you know and he shows him a memory of when Professor X lusted after Jean Grey, and oh, it's yeah. kind of creepy. Yeah, but like one of the, one of the worst moments in X Men history for sure. Is it though? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, what if this is Marco's entry into actually liking superhero comics? I, oh man he does already he's such a faker he's like yo bro I don't ever read superhero comics you ever been to his apartment he's got a bookshelf 75% of which is full of superhero comics fucking swamp things on the CW now he's in the superheroes yeah, there are so many lies on this podcast like whenever whenever someone's talking about image comics it's like oh Marco you're an image boy or oh Pete you're an image boy like I guarantee you I guarantee you I read as much image as you guys do but I just don't have that qualification for whatever reason don't know what it is because you're a Marvel boy but I'm not I read everything I just like Marvel zombie bro 
it's all about presentation. They 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 think it gives them more hipster credit. They say, "Oh, I'm an image boy." There you no, no, no. Go. I don't yeah. think it gives me more hipster credit. It absolutely gives me more hipster oh, credit. Oh, here it is. See? <laughs> there you go. There's the truth. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Marvel, today we're going to be reviewing several books. Empire number one is one among them. Wait, are you guys whispering? <laughs> Marco just goes, you mean Onslaught? He's whispering sweet nothings, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on the nothings. <laughs> Uh, we're also going to be reviewing Strange Adventures number three and Dark Knight's Death Metal number two. Speaking of the Death Metal, you know, I thought it would be appropriate if each of us had a very heavy metal nickname to go along with the creators who are appearing in the book. So we each have come up with a metal nickname to go along with our regular names. And so we will present those to you now. I am Sean Slayer Bartley. That's nice. good. Damn. I like that. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Pete Bloodscream and Bessie. <clears throat> I think I will uh, take the moniker of Kale Deathlust Ward. <laughs> Deathlust! <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I am Marco Thrust Machine Kunalata. <laughs> That's 80s hair metal. That's hair metal. That counts. <laughs> this episode's over, everyone. We're going we home. Pe- we peaked at Thrust Machine. I thought for sure I'd have the best one, but Marco outdid me 100%. <laughs> this, this was clearly the climax, if you catch my drift. <laughs> oh, my God. Clearly um, the climax title of our first metal album. Uh, I'm... <laughs> I'm just White Claw, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Phil White Claw Casey. <laughs> no, nah, just White Claw. No law. <laughs> I love right. it. I love it. Uh, wow. So <laughs> we're going to have nicknames every time we're reviewing Death Metal. Uh, hopefully we none of us repeat ourselves. But <laughs> Next week, Kale is Thrust Machine. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of us should just steal it a different week. <laughs> this week I'm the thrust machine. Oh, oh. And this week I'll be the thrust machine. <laughs> I promise you I'm not the thrust machine this week. Definitely not. <laughs> oh, Looks God. like the thrust machine's broken. It wants to watch anime and play video games. <laughs> Mm. Sounds uh, like my Friday night. Woo! <laughs> Way to put yourself on blast. So, uh, if you guys want to recommend heavy metal nicknames for us, or tell us your heavy metal nickname, you can write to us at thecomicspals@gmail at gmail.com. You can get us on social media at thecomicspals. If you're on YouTube, thank you very much for tuning in, and you can leave your comment. Or, and or, share this video with your friends and subscribe to our channel for more content like this. We really appreciate it if you do. Uh, All of those things are free to do and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. You should also join our Discord server where we're always having a really good time. Always having a really good conversation. And uh, we would welcome your company. The more the merrier, as they say. So... Like I mentioned, we've got a lot of things to talk about today, but 
I wanted to acknowledge, I want to start the show by acknowledging the 20th anniversary of the X-Men films from Fox. Oh my God, wow. Yeah, it's been 20 years. Uh, old. <laughs> God, I'm so old. Yeah. Not too long ago, uh, Fox Fox's film and television brands were acquired by Disney. And so we will never again get a Fox-produced film, Fox-produced X-Men film, other than New Mutants, which is still maybe coming out. They just released a new trailer. We'll be talking about that. But, uh, yeah, they've, it's, it's been a while. And there's a long legacy of, <laughs> of uh, well... Let's say uh, risk-taking. Well, no, let's actually not say risk-taking because they've taken no risk with those movies. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what word to apply to those movies. <laughs> What's a polite way to say a mixed bag? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A mixed bag. Like that's a, that's I, a perfect way to say it. <laughs> I love those first two X-Men movies. I think yeah. they're, they're as good as they get. And uh, for superhero movies, and I think it's uh, and 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 sincerity that's carried by like the acting of three of the best actors of the 20th century in Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman for Anna sure. Paquin. Oh, <laughs> uh, but like as a kid, also like, Kelsey Grammer, who could forget the next three. Well, I, I remember as a kid, everyone was like, "Oh, he would be the perfect beast," and he was good. It's just he was in a bad movie. Wait, terrible. you remember that from when you were a kid? People used to yeah, say everyone that. would say that. Like there was like things like that a lot as a kid. Like I remember before Spider Man Three was coming out, everyone was like, "Oh, Harry's gonna turn into the Hobgoblin." Like everyone would say yeah. that. It was like that. Like it was like that Wizard Magazine shit of like if they made an Avengers movie, who would play who? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I but remember those- the speculation and stuff too, but I just don't remember Kelsey Grammer. I think I think it's because Frazier was, yeah, was Frazier at the time. Yeah. Yeah, and he had that, especially when you compare like Kelsey Grammer back then to uh, Beast from the cartoon. Mm. Yeah. It's like it's almost one for one. It's yeah, it's obvious. Like, wow, it, it totally would have been good in the right movie, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, and I, I believe he was in Days of Future's Past in that kind of minimum role, but you know, at that point, it was that was that was, so. that was a kind of a B plot in that movie. Uh, but those first two X Men movies, like. Um, I I think in most ways, in a lot of ways, they really ignited the superhero craze. And like for me, I was a huge X Men were everything to me as a kid with the cartoon. Yeah. And right after these two movies were games like X Men Legends One and Two. Um, God, I the, fucking love those games. And then there was the other cartoon X Men Evolution that came out around this time. Like it was really hyped to be an X Men fan at that time. And oh, yeah. my favorite superhero as a kid was Nightcrawler by Al large margin i had every single nightcrawler toy possible and when x2 started with nightcrawler attacking the white house it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen in any movie ever at that point in my life dude i i remember seeing that movie my dad used to take me to see like every superhero movie back then and i remember we had seen x-men you know however many years prior or whatever and we go to see x2 and like during that scene i remember i just like lost it i was just like this is in and he just leans over he's like who is this guy? He looks awesome. <laughs> what a what a that's a way to start a movie for sure. Like it was just do so you, so. Do great. you want to hear my favorite fact about X two? Sure. 
Uh, do you know who has a screenwriting credit on that film? Uh, who? David Hayter, who is best known for being the voice actor of Solid Snake. That's really. That is random. one of his. That is one of his only huh. writing credits. Is on X two. That's really so, really random. So fucking random. Well, he also wrote X one. Did he on the first one too? Oh yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, just yeah. Just reading it last night. Yeah. Um, oh, and apparently on uh, Watchmen as well. Interesting. Yeah. And those obviously there were there were technological rest- like limitations on some of the action they can do, but some of like the most memorable scenes and and I think the second one it had to have been the second one is like uh, Professor Xavier playing chess with Magneto oh, in, the, in an, yeah, an like a non metal cell and I'm having yeah. like a uh, like a uh, philosophical debate over just like the role, like where mutants fit in society and stuff it really kind of set the table if you will dude, the that that scene where uh, where Magneto like pulls the blood out of the guy's or the metal out of the the guy's blood was like fucking insane too i remember just that like blew my mind as a kid you know when was the when was the last time you guys watched one or x-men one or two uh, i watched x2 a few years ago because the bar i used to go to um in my my old hometown we were like friends with the bartender and we would like pop on movies on some nights um and a lot of times we'd go in on like monday nights when it was slow and you know me and my friends would just hang out and uh somebody brought in x2 and i was like damn this holds up pretty well for how old it is it's because it's it's a surprisingly well-written movie um david hater man yeah and there's (laughs) certain there's certainly it certainly uh we've had this conversation on the show a few times it certainly deviates from the source material liberally uh but it it as a as a complete film it, it it feels like they're both they both feel like complete films uh and so that's to their advantage uh certainly if marvel does like marvel studios decides to make a new x-men movie which you know by all by all indications they seem to plan to um they're gonna have a hell of a time trying to replace uh ian mckellen and patrick stewart hugh jackman and even even in the newer x-men movies like uh, Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. Like to Fox's credit, they did such an excellent job casting uh, Wolverine and Magneto and Xavier. Uh, but that leaves a lot of opportunity, I think, to cast really good Cyclops or a really good, you know, you know, Jean a lot Grey. of other X- Jean Grey for like. There's other X Men characters they can really go to town with for sure. I feel like Kitty Pride is like. One of the characters I would really like to see served better because she was always very much like you know a background character. I mean, you know, Disney's gonna go to town on Jean Grey. That's you know, that's a given. <laughs> you want to elaborate, my dude? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's, you know, it's one of my favorite scenes in in any of those movies. Is I think it's the first movie is when there's like there's like uh, they they have that problem where Mystique keeps showing up. And like they don't know who's who, and there's a scene between uh, Cyclops and Wolverine where Wolverine walks in, and uh, Cyclops like turns his visor on him, and he's like, "Prove that you're that you're Logan," and he goes, "You're a dick," <laughs> and he's like, "Okay." <laughs> I think I think when those movies first came out, I really really loved them, and I can watch I can probably watch X two anytime, but I'll I'll probably never. I'll probably never be able to enjoy them 
the way that I want to because of how much they don't respect the source material. When I was a kid, I really loved Lady Deathstrike for some reason. I just, she was I really just, cool in X2. No, she wasn't. <laughs> really? Are you kidding I, me? I remember it that way. Maybe I, She doesn't maybe talk. I remember their fight being cool because like, yeah. I remember <clears throat> there's like the he like drowns her or whatever and the like adamantium comes to her eyes or something like there's yeah. it's cool oh, visually but yeah. she doesn't like do anything besides that that was supposed to be like a really kind of that was supposed to be like a sad moment too because she's like dead and stuff it's like damn but they didn't do anything to really justify you feeling anything for her or maybe I felt sad because I knew the character and I was like ah oh, man but they didn't do anything with her, and that was so frustrating. Uh, and I remember Colossus is in that movie, and they don't really do anything with him, and he's he's like a younger dude. Um, and I I just was so frustrated by so many aspects of that. But if it wasn't for those movies, we wouldn't have gotten X three. Fuck, man. I thought you were going to actually say something positive. I thought you were going to say, if it wasn't for those movies, we wouldn't have Grant Morrison's new X-Men. And it's like, yes, that is true. That part's true. And that's like the best X-Men book of the last 25 years. But no, you had to take it to X3, which is the most disappointing cinematic experience I've ever had, next to maybe Man of Steel. I think that easily, actually, in my top three most disappointing moments like moments of a movie that i was looking forward to is the start of x3 where they're fighting a sentinel i'll never i'll never forget this and i'll always be mad about it they're fighting a sentinel and you never see the sentinel (laughs) wolverine cuts off the head and that's the only thing you get I was so hyped for the Sentinel for the first time. I thought they were going to have Sentinels in the first movie. I was like, okay, yeah, let's get get into it. It took till the third movie to get it, and it was only the head. And I was so angry with that, and I'll never stop being angry about it. Um, You know what? That movie also started with fucking Cyclops dying. Yeah. Yeah. That sucked. That sucked. Like, right away. Oh my god, dude! I that is probably it. Might be the first movie I ever saw in theaters where I remember being like, "This is bad," you know? Because it's like it came out when I was like eleven or twelve, I want to say. Um, and I feel like when you're a kid, like you watch movies, and it's like, "Oh, this is a movie," so I enjoyed it, right? But like, I remember going into that with so much excitement and just. Like, walking out with my friends and being like, what the fuck was that? So, around that time, we had one of the very first viral, like, videos to come into, like, the the world or whatever, which was the I'm the Juggernaut Bitch. I'm the Juggernaut Bitch. Parody <laughs> video with the 90s X-Men cartoon. Because this is, like, 2005 when, like, E-Bombs World was a thing. Or, and Rotten.com. And... This is like this has to be like the first time in pop culture an internet meme is referenced in a movie, and boy, like I, maybe maybe that set maybe that set the expectation in my head of how much this shit sucks when it applied to real life. Because in that movie, a British soccer player playing the juggernaut says it, and it's the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. 
He says, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Hey, man, my theater popped unbelievably. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah mine did. I feel like that might have been the only enjoyable part of the movie. <laughs> nah, my the, the so I'll tell you right now, I've probably seen that movie more than any no. other X-Men movie. No. Why? 100%. Why would you do that to yourself? No. There's very good reasons for that. Uh, number one is Jean Grey. Oh, Number no. two is The Phoenix. And number three is Angel. I actually think that movie did Angel really, really well. Uh, that That's fair. That scene where he's like in the bathroom cutting his wings off mm-hmm. as a child. Oh, my God. And his father's like knocking on the door. like Yeah. He's trying yeah. to hurry quickly to cut his wings, and then it ends with him, like carrying off some kids, saving them or whatever. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Um, but they yeah, did do that well. Not a, not a particularly good movie overall, and also Brett Ratner sucks. So there you go. He's awful. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, of course. Fire of a person. Down the road, we got some much better X Men films overall. X Men Origins. <laughs> oh. Let's just jump over that. <laughs> to the Wolverine. Which okay. was better. Yeah. Was really, yeah, I enjoyed that. It was fine. I, I think that is one of the most forgettable movies I've ever seen, though. Like, I, I saw it, and I was like, that's all right. It was pretty good. I but I don't movie. remember anything about it except for the last fight where he fights the weird, like, robot silver, silver samurai. samurai. Well, the bullet train fight with the Yakuza was pretty rad, I thought. Oh, that was cool. Okay. Yeah. But, of course, the biggest thing that we got out of these movies, the most incredible thing was obviously um, Wolverine. Oh, Logan. Logan, yeah. Yeah. One of the best superhero movies of all time. I think that's pretty indisputable. And we, we almost guaranteed would never have gotten that movie if Fox didn't have the license. So I do want to end this conversation... Um, just by kind of saying, like, even though I generally dislike what Fox did with the X Men, we'll they'll we'll never get as much sort of taking chances as we did with some of those, especially on the back half, and that kind of sucks because we do have to include Deadpool as well, which they did, and you know those were pretty cool and unique, and we'll probably never get a Deadpool movie quite like those again, so. Uh, thanks, Fox. I guess. Thanks for letting James Mangold do his thing, I guess. Yeah. And, and giving Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman a, a proper send-off from this those characters and everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so let's, uh, let's get into the Pals Pools. From Pete, we've got Free Comic Book Day 2020, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, so uh, a little bit ago, uh, Titan Comics announced that they're going to be doing a Horizon Zero Dawn series. Um, anyone who you know knows me knows I love Horizon Zero Dawn. I definitely really was into that world and kind of the you know like a very unique take on the whole post-apocalypse thing um, that that Guerrilla Studios did in that game. And if you're not familiar, it's a PlayStation Four exclusive, and. Um, Titan was also responsible for the uh, Life is Strange um, tie-in that I've been a big fan of um, over the last year or so, I guess, that it's been coming out. 
Uh, so when they announced they were going to be doing this, it definitely like caught my attention because they knocked it out of the park with another series I really liked before. So uh, I'm hoping that this one strikes a chord with me too. Cool. And this is a tie-in to a new ongoing that's about to start. Still got to play that game. Yeah, you really should. From Marco, uh, we've got Folklore Volume 1. So Folklore is a Matt Kint and Matt Smith book. Uh, I love Matt Kint's stuff. Um, pretty much any time he puts something out, I'm, I'm there. So this one in particular, though, had a, a specific kind of like Harry Potter vibe. And I recently have been rewatching the movies. And so it's just something that like piqued my interest on top of the fact that it's Matt Kent. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking to pick this, up, pick this up. I don't know if I had shouted out the first issue when it first was announced, but definitely now that it's in volume, I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up. Awesome. Uh, and then you also chose Chew number one. So Chew is a sort of continuation of the Chew series. So this one is spelled C-H-U versus Chew C-H-E-W. I really thought that was going to be a joke. Nope. (laughs) And um, this is a, uh, from my understanding, a separate character who is also, uh, who can also eat and like retain memories um uh, a cybopath is what they're called in, in in that universe and i i really enjoyed chu like the the the, the first volume with with tony chu as the character it was a great crime story really good mystery involved as well and they had a lot of like gross uh, horrific elements to it so a lot of fun and i'm i'm interested to see what they do here uh, apparently it's going to be taking on a uh a criminal's perspective versus tony who is a police officer so i'm interested to see what they do there how they integrate it into like the larger story and whether or not it touches on some of the outer darkness stuff because they also recently had a crossover with that um so uh again this is a a john layman book and he does really good stuff cool i thought i'd see a sequel to that one yeah same but um it looks it looks interesting Kelcho's Lords of Empire, Emperor Hulkling, number one, which I was surprised by. Uh, yeah, I like Hulkling. I want to see uh, what his deal is. I think that's sort of I. So because we're doing the review, I read the uh, the Road to Empire, which was the it's basically a big summary of the Kree Scroll conflict. Oh, cool! Up to now, and then I also read the Fantastic Four one. Me too. And then Empire number one, hoping sure. I would get some fucking answer, and I didn't. So, <laughs> um, just just on an ever ever uh, ever changing quest for answers. Were you a uh, were you a big fan of Young Avengers? I imagine you were. Yeah. yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, both series. I really enjoyed it. Okay, and then you also chose Empire number two. Yeah. I'm enjoying the event as much as anything else. It's cool. Wow, this is unprecedented. This is like Marco saying he enjoys Onslaught, which is also wait. Do you hear my wait? Do you hear my honorable mention? Sean, hit him. No, 
Uh, it's Empire Road to Empire X Men number one. What the Whoa. hell? Jesus. I need some goddamn answers. You're all in, huh? I got that Empire fever, and I'm trying to get rid of it. <laughs> the only prescription is more Empire. <laughs> uh oh, I'm gonna go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> Grandpa's so getting cranky. I chose low number twenty three. And I did it because I feel like I, I, I shout this book out periodically and I don't really know why, but I feel like Rick Remender's image stuff is underrated. Uh, Low is coming to an end. They're entering their last arc right now. This is the Rick Remender book. I think I hear people talk about the least and it's probably the best. It's incredible. Uh, I can tell that he put his heart and soul into this book. The art by Greg Ticini is just mind-blowing. You look at some of these pages, and it's just gorgeous. I can't wait for it to end only because I want to do this as a book club so badly. Um, it's Yeah, it's, it's absolutely going to happen. And um, yeah, it's just been phenomenal for such a long time. And uh, unfortunately, I've been off the wagon uh with this book i haven't read it in a few quite a few issues now but it truly is one of the best books being published and uh if you haven't jumped on board i think now's a great time going into the last arc pick up a couple of trades it's only 23 issues so uh give it a read it's good stuff really really what was like the publishing schedule with it it was like very irregular right for a while uh yeah because I, I remember that book, like, came out when I was in college. Yeah, those started a long time ago. It's been around for, yeah. like, uh, maybe five years, something like that. Yeah. Um, um, on my poll list is probably. Claude number two. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. We got to get through these news before we get to this. Phil's going to be drunk by the time we get to the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that might make them better. <laughs> uh, all right. So... Let's let's hit the news and let's start with something I didn't expect to read this week, which is that NBC is looking to jump into the comics game. It's so fucking weird. NBC. Yeah, do the NBC. There it is. <laughs> the little jingle. What I also didn't expect was that they would be working with Grant Morrison to put out their first book. What the uh, hell is going on? I don't know. I think it's really <laughs> funny that everyone's just like, now, now is the time to get into the comics game. <laughs> they see what's is, happening with Diamond, and they're like, yes, now is the time. Yeah, right. Is sci-fi <laughs> a branch of uh, NBC? That's a Anybody great know? question. I'm going to look out. that up right now. That could be, that could explain uh, it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, yeah. It is. Um, it is on my NBC yeah, Universal Television. Wow. That could be it then. Yeah, that could be it. But this is tied it, into like the whole Peacock stuff, right? It uh, seems like it. You got to imagine that they're they're probably like looking to create uh, a similar comic to show pipeline as like what Netflix has with the yeah. Peacock verse. I think. Yeah, right. I think I think I saw a commercial the other day about Peacock being free or some shit too. So Peacock is free with ads. For a portion of their library, about half. Oh, so okay. anything you don't want to watch is free. Anything you do <laughs> want to watch, you can pay $5 a month to see, but it will have ads. And then 
you can pay another five dollars a month to get rid of the ads. So, okay, okay. Uh, not for me. But back to the announcement. Uh, yeah, Grant Morrison is working with NBC Universal on a project called Proctor Valley Road. So Grant is going to write it with Alex Child, who is a screenwriter. Uh, they haven't spoken about who the artist will be yet. But uh, I think it's pretty interesting that Grant is co-writing this with a screenwriter. That kind of makes me feel like <laughs> this is a test run. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I just think it's it's really odd. Like I'm excited for more Grant, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I care about this. Philip, those are your your two claws. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm saying Grant get that money, baby. That's what this so, is. That's Grant getting his money. Oh yeah. Uh It's interesting too because I know the the article um that that we're referencing here calls out that like he has had a relationship with them for a bit anyway. Like I know like um this they had the happy adaptation on sci-fi, sci-fi obviously. Yeah. Um and then apparently he also did um he co-wrote the Brave New World adaptation for Peacock. So like huh. Yeah, I mean like I I don't know, like I it's interesting cuz I don't necessarily know how interested I am in this as like uh an overall initiative from them, but as like an opportunity for Grant to you know, um to Phil's point, right, make some money and uh and like raise his star power a little bit is cool. Um because obviously you know, like I, I, Grant's definitely not my favorite writer, but like he's certainly one of the most creative voices I think in comics, and the idea of of more of his stuff um, being able to break into the mainstream, or maybe him getting to work on you know some bigger budget projects and stuff like that is like potentially very interesting. I think I think a, a large part is that like when when I saw this announcement. Plus, I remember the whole Happy show coming out. It, it It's like maybe him trying to make that transition, but at the same time trying to bring in those folk who do know him for his comic writing. Because um, to your point, Pete, like he's trying to improve that star power like outside of just the realm of comics. And I think yeah. it's a smart play, um, especially considering some of his other properties have been uh, turned into or like some of his more famous comic like adaptations or like runs have been turned into shows like doom patrol i i think this is probably like a smarter long-term play for him um and yeah he's definitely getting paid for this my man is my man is 60 years old he's done literally everything he possibly could in a comic book game you know he's written you know some of the most he's written maybe the greatest batman run of all time He's maybe written the greatest Superman story of all time. He's written some great Wonder Woman. He's written some Green Lantern. He's written X-Men. some Justice League, X-Men. Like he's it's like nothing else really for him to do. At this point, he's made it clear over the last 10 years that he wants to do more movies and TV stuff. And um, all the power to him, man. This guy is one of the most important voices in the history of the industry. Go get that money. So the book called Proctor Valley Road tells the story of a group of teenage girls suspected in the disappearance of several teen boys in a 1964 California beach town. Uh, 
and apparently in 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 the real world there's some kind of urban legend around that that act the real life area um so we'll see how that plays into it i'm sure that grant is going to reference uh the urban legend because it's grant but um yeah so they also say that this is supposed to be for up and coming talent uh ucp graphic that's the so that's that's the company that you nbc universal is launching to get these books out is ucp graphic and they're teaming up with boom to do it uh grant is not up and coming there, there's i mean come on uh but i guess they're using his name and his book to launch this new brand and hopefully if it does well get new creators in the front door i don't think that that's going to happen personally but we'll see well, I mean, you got, you know, those rookies up at Marvel and DC, you know, they get, they got to step up and, you know, they got to have their shot too. Uh-huh. So, you know, when they graduate into the big leagues, I'm sure uh, you, you said it was UCP. I'm sure they'll pick them up. I, I guess the question is like, what do they mean by up and comer? Right. Cause it's like, I don't think that young, they're going to necessarily going to like try to cultivate young new talent as much as maybe um, looking at someone like, uh, and I don't mean to call him an up and comer, but I'm wondering if this is what they mean. Like someone like a Christopher Sabella who like sold a script to Hollywood and probably has a lot of other original ideas in him that somebody could make a lot of money off of. I'm thinking that's probably the kind of talent that they're looking to cultivate, you know, is like people who have stories, have chops, but aren't famous. I think that's fine. I think opportunities for, you know, mid-level in terms of recognition, talent is cool. There should be more places for these people to work. Yeah. Um, and ways for them to make money, right? Like to actually profit off their ideas. Yeah. I mean, depending on depending on where they decide they want to go with UCP graphic. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. For sure. That said, though, if they are partnering with Boom, I suspect then that they have access to some of that pool like matt kent pretty much does a lot there um i i I wouldn't it it wouldn't surprise me if some of his stuff maybe starts to bleed into that to like add to that power a little bit um to chris to to pete's point on uh christopher sabella but at the same time boom is known for i guess well not necessarily known for but allows for smaller creators to kind of come up um so I don't know. I feel like it could be sort of a mix in that those people who have, to Pete's point, that maybe star power within comics but aren't necessarily famous outright, um, who can sort of inject interest into it, but at the same time bring up like actual like real stories. And um, I think is Grant the editor for what is it like Heavy Metal? He or was. he was. He, he was? was. Okay. I think it changes every now and then. I think to keep things fresh. Okay, so I, I mean, to that, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily uh, dismiss the notion then that you know new talent or like fresh blood is going to come up through this as well. Speaking of Matt Kent and Boom, they're putting out a Keanu Reeves comic, not a comic Ooh. book about Keanu Reeves, mind you. A comic book that Keanu Reeves is writing. Hell yeah. Along with Matt Kent. 
Hell yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a 12-issue series called Berserker, spelled B-R-Z-R-K-R, so you know it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck vowels. (laughs) No one needs vowels. Onomatopoeia has taught us that. (laughs) So it's going to come out October 7th, and uh, it's going to have Alessandro Vitti on art, which is really cool. Uh, the book is described as being action-packed and hyper-violent, which uh, sounds like a lot of other things that exist. And uh, it's uh, it allegedly centers on a warrior who looks a lot like a certain beloved actor and has walked a blood-soaked path across the world for centuries. In present day, the Berserker does dangerous jobs for the U.S. government in exchange for the truth about his existence. Okay, uh, that's... A lot like, um... From the U.S. government? Yeah. Sounds like Deadshot. They know what's wrong with him? That doesn't make any sense. The U.S. did. Yeah, no, yeah, it does. They obviously caused it. (laughs) No, because the character is super old. Uh, it's the character he's playing is like it's like eight. Uh, he's playing the character that they're writing. <laughs> Sorry, it's just it, come on. It's, this is this is the most transparent book to film pipeline I've ever seen in my life. Right, this is crazy. But uh, the character is some ancient person, and uh, he's been around for centuries, and um. You know, it even says that he has a perfect memory, which I doesn't know what happened to it. Exactly. What's that about? Sounds sounds like my perfect memory. (laughs) Am I right, fellas? I like uh, there's this part where it says since the character is ancient and can't die due to aging, the berserker uh, pretends to die every so often so he can move on to the next thing. Um, That sounds a lot like that theory about Keanu Reeves being in Immortal. I think this is autobiographical, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Um, Yeah, this is cool, I guess. I think Keanu Reeves is probably the most, if he's not the most, he's probably one of the most popular actors right now, just in terms of, you know, people liking him. And for for him to be such a big fan of comics, you know, he he did the Constantine movie, and uh, I actually really like that movie, but... Never saw it. I've never seen it either. I'm a fan. I think it's underrated. I traveled to New Jersey in a blizzard to see Constantine. That's hilarious. Why am I telling this story? Okay. (laughs) Finish it. Finish it. Finish it. So (laughs) I went to Constantine. I was with Harris, actually. (laughs) Uh, Spring Hill Rick from the Discord. I was like 15 years old. We went to we went to New Jersey in a blizzard with my aunt and her friend in his car. And I remember I think Harris was actually in a suit. I think he was coming from work. And we went to we we went to see this movie. And we watched it, it was good and we enjoyed it and stuff, but then we were really hungry. Mind you, it's a blizzard, okay? So we're like, "Oh god, what's open?" So we're looking around and oh, there's a Popeyes. There's a Popeyes. Thank goodness. So we go to the Popeyes. We realize that uh, they're they're only taking cash because the I, there was a, I don't remember the reasoning, but they're only taking cash. We have no money on us. I'm 15. Uh, 
Harris is Harris. He never, I don't know. He just didn't have any money. And then, no, it's so like no Keanu one. Reeves, he doesn't age. <laughs> no one had any money. So I think we had enough to split one meal between four people. And we had to use the cat. We couldn't afford drinks. So we had to drink the ketchup. Oh, God. That, Ew. Yeah. That was the only thing we. <laughs> and. Bro. Yeah. Yeah, it was an awful experience. Oh my god, Sean! What I got out of that story was that you were, you were willing to go brave a blizzard, go all the way to New Jersey just to see another human. Phil, isn't that crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. I don't know if I would do that. (laughs) Sounds like an inside joke. What's why? What's wild to me is of all the stories you've told, that's not even the most revolting. <laughs> me, and that's pretty. Yeah, oh. and that's pretty bad. Was that a bad yeah, story? No, no. He, I think he's just really disturbed by the ketchup. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was pretty weird. Pretty um, gnarly, man. It's foul. I was Whoa. like honestly swallowing my own saliva to like grease up my throat so that I could yep. eat. It was nasty. Oh. Um. Oh yeah, survival yeah. stories. <laughs> Bear girls would be impressed. <laughs> no, there aren't. And that's why Constantine is my favorite movie. An essay <laughs> by Sean Bartley. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll tell you guys how I found out that I was allergic to dairy. Um, anyway, <laughs> you saw you still have to tell us how you almost joined Islam. So oh yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> we got all kinds of questions. Oh sweet, we've got a couple of. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Comics Pals 100 uh, milestones coming up. So, <laughs> episode 200. Let's go. I want to hear about. <laughs> oh, yeah. God Speaking damn. of episode 200, we're going to play the Newlywed game. Remember, we talked about that a couple months back. We had to delay it because of life, but now we're, we're back on track and we're going to play it for the 200th <laughs> episode. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh,. Yeah, back to Keanu Reeves. He's got this book coming out. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be good, but he's a fan of comics. He says that he thought he would be a comic book writer when he was young. So it it doesn't sound all the way like a just a just a a cash in. It sounds like it's probably something that he's really wanted to do. And uh, for that reason, I'm excited for it. I think it's a good look for comics for him to lend himself to the industry in that way uh, to attach himself. And another win for Boom, who has had like so many wins over the last few years. We're not even talking about it on this episode, but Tom Taylor has a book coming out through Boom that is really exciting as well. It's just crazy. Boom is the place to be right now. It's it's hot. For sure. Yeah. And like, I know uh, we talked a while ago about how like they're working on getting it adap- uh, adaptations of some of their bigger or yeah, that's the right one um, of some of their bigger properties like Lumberjanes and stuff like that. And yeah, like Boom's really on the, the fucking come up right now. Um, so if this comes out and it's good or even if it's OK and then it gets made into like a tight action movie, mm-hmm. just another big old uh, flower to pin on their lapel. Good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, God. Phil's got White Claw number three. Hell yeah, we gotta Phil. Hurry up. We gotta hurry up. He's got he's got the third claw. Hell yeah, Phil. He's gonna, 
He's going to be the Wolverine of White Claws. By the end of this episode, he's just got three cans on both hands. Just snick, snick, baby. Oh, God. Claw number three, baby. What flavor? Lemon. Is it good? That's good. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. It's good? It tastes like if somebody burped lemonade into your mouth, but it gets you drunk. Oh, my God. Oh, it's like like a LaCroix. (laughs) Yeah, they're all like LaCroix. It's got booze. Damn. I gotta get some of that. <laughs> I wasn't trying to draw attention to it, but here we are, Claw number three. Well, Woo! you know what? You know what you can do while drinking White Claws. Tell you us. can go to Comic Con nowadays. Oh, because uh, Comic Con is at home next week. San Diego oh. Comic Con is going to be at your house in oh, your shit. house. Oh, nice, Sean. I like that. Yeah, I better clean up. I wasn't expecting company. <laughs> More ways than one. Ooh. Oh. Clean up your act. And uh, so it's going to be July 22nd. So this upcoming Wednesday, if you're listening to this, you know, before that. And there will be live streamed online panels and all kinds of things uh, for five days. And they finally released the list of all the events that will be taking place. That you'll be able to view from your house. Uh, it is way too long. They really have a lot of um, different things to enjoy. A lot of different panels. And some of it is actually pretty cool. Um, Marvel Studios pulled out. So they won't be having a presentation. Uh, but other than them, there's still some cool stuff. Um, the boys will have a presentation on Thursday. So... Uh, the cast of the boys will be, you know, on Zoom, I I presume, talking about the series and probably showing you some new footage. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the Walking Dead will be present. They're not skipping out. There will be three Walking Dead panels actually oh my God. on Friday. Yeah, back yeah. to back. Back this to back. This is my trust favorite. Probably for all Didn't three shows, right? Yes. Uh, well, three shows? Well, because there's The Walking Dead. There's Fear of the Walking Dead, which is somehow still running. It was and good. There's a new there's a new show that they're launching this year. There's the Running I don't know Dead, what... the Sleeping Dead, there's the Lying Dead, the Kneeling Dead. You can't watch that one. That one's really The Grateful Dead. The Grateful No, that's a different thing, Marco. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so lots of Walking Dead representation. Um Robert Kirkman has a, a panel, uh, Robert Kirkman at home, which is just going to be a Q&A with nice. Robert. Uh, there it's is... Gonna be, it's going to be like Cribs. <laughs> I would love that. Show, I love show Robert Kirkman. Show is, he's just like, what's up? <laughs> I can see like, that. This is my Walking Dead pool. I got it with all the money from The Walking Dead. It's got like all red lights in it, so it just looks like blood water, like. That'd be great. Come this on. is my blender I got for the money from Invincible. Here's, here's <laughs> Invincible is not a movie yet, so I haven't gotten that much money from it. But so I got this blender. Here's my cellar. Uh, it's not as impressive as the other rooms in my house. I have an unfinished basement, basically, but uh, it might be cooler <laughs> later. Fun fact: I'm pretty sure that was his writing space for several years. It was like a shitty unfinished basement. Pools <laughs> are expensive, guys. That's funny. You should check out our YouTube video with Pete interviewing Robert Kirkman. Woo. You should. YouTube.com slash the comics pals. Thanks, Robert. Uh, Joss Whedon will have a panel. A Zoom with Joss Whedon. Weeds? Big weed dog? You guys are comfortable, huh? Real comfortable with each other? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we're on a, a nickname basis. You yeah, know? he calls you P-Boy. <laughs> yeah. I don't love the nickname, but he's Josh Weed. What are you going to do? <laughs> guy created Buffy. <laughs> Joss Whedon, man. What a guy. P-Boy. Uh, <laughs> I call him Wee Boy, you know? <laughs> I agree that comic. P-Boy and Wee Boy? <laughs> <laughs> there BFS. will be an evening with Kevin Smith panel on Saturday at six. No, I want to talk shit, but like he's so charismatic when he talks about comics that I dig it. This sounds this sounds like the worst <laughs> collection of like middle aged men coming in for dinner. Oh, Ryan Kirkman at home. Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, that's his name. <laughs> Josh Whedon. At home, <laughs> Kevin Sorbo. An evening with Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> that Kevin would suck. Sorbo, holy shit! Yo, uh, like eight years ago, I did one of those stupid ice bucket challenge videos. I challenged Kevin Sorbo in it twice. He never responded. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's Hercules, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, see, I'm Kale. That sounds great. I would love to have an evening with nah, Kevin he's Sorbo. A, he's a big old Republican piece of shit. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a huge Dude, born sucks. again Christian type. He's Hercules. Yeah. Come on, oh, it sucks. I doesn't believe in the Greek show. gods. It's a shame. <laughs> I've been, I, I've been, I've been trying to figure out how I'm gonna watch some of these while I'm at work. Uh, like, like I'm gonna have one screen with like my Zoom call, and then the other screen with watching <laughs> with like, whatever Zorbo. panel on. Kevin Zorbo, like, how how am I going to balance those two things? <laughs> it's like how he has to struggle being Hercules with being a you know born again Christian type. It's just, it's hard. He has the weight of the world on his shoulders, and I have the weight of two Zoom calls. Like, I I can't equate it. <laughs> He's not Atlas, dude. Come on, get your mythology right. It's heavy. Whoops. <laughs> Thursday though is going to see a New Mutants panel. Oh, I can't wait for that movie. It's definitely coming out. Yeah, and they released <laughs> a new trailer to promote the fact that there will be a uh, panel. So they showed us <laughs> s- some more footage, <laughs> which we all needed. We've been watching footage from this movie for like three years. Yeah, at this rate, we're going to see the whole movie in trailers. <laughs> it is the whole movie. I legitimately feel like we've been talking about this movie since the beginning of the show. <laughs> like, it's probably true. Yeah. You know, like I feel it like probably we, is true. I feel like we knew that that movie existed and was coming like in episode one. Bro, and here we are. This coming movie, up on 200. This movie's like myth- mythological at this point. Like we're like constantly on the quest to find it and it just kind of like escapes our grasp at every turn. One day we'll find the new mutants. If yeah. that movie comes out, we have to stop podcasting. Holy shit. <laughs> it's like, that's it. Yeah. Dude, we're done. I, uh, there is this, um, Chris Sabella tweeted about it earlier this week, and he's like, I really hope that they just keep showing us trailers for New Mutants, but it never fucking comes out, and it just becomes one of those mythological pieces of media like Half-Life 3, where you just talk about yep. it forever, and it never, <laughs> yeah. ever materializes. Stanley Kubrick's <laughs> Napoleon, is, it's, it's a piece of legend at this point. He's so, so good. Rumor has it that the New Mutants movie might actually be releasing next week after this panel. Dude. What?! That would be so amazing. I'd be blown away. (laughs) That is an event. If that movie comes out, you'll have to tune in to our special review coverage. 
We're going to podcast from the movie theater. <laughs> Where no one else is, apparently. <laughs> well, it would be on VOD, but yeah. We could all socially distance at a, a drive-thru. Those yeah. are those are making a comeback right now. Oh, I don't have a car. Fun. That's all right, Sean. I'll pick we'll you up. Pick you up. Oh, thanks. Can I do it on my bike? No. Easy oh. ET. <laughs> <laughs> you don't drive a bike. You ride a bike. It's not a ride-through, Marco. Come on, get it Whoops. together. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> you dump ass. <laughs> I'm still from the, the Midwest. You must have a pickup truck we can all sneak into, right? Not in socially distance. Mm. Didn't want to get in your ride anyway. <laughs> You're missing out. I'm still excited for this movie. I don't know. It it looks good it by all these fucking trailers. Yeah, but. all the trailers have been good. Like, I'm sure if it ever comes out, it'll be enjoyable. But like, this trailer reminded it ain't me coming out. The, the trailer reminded me. I'm like, oh, that's right. This movie's a thing, and it's like, oh, that's right. I was excited for this, and I. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's like four years ago. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's worth talking about the trailer that just dropped. I didn't think it was very good, but like every other trailer that's come out has been pretty sick. And um, I, I'm a real sucker for horror movies in general, and like we haven't had any horror movies that are sourced off comic books. So like, I want this to be good, and the cast is good, and like, I'm into the it. last, the last trailer specifically. I remember really like knocked my socks off. I was like, this actively looks good. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with all the reshoots, obviously, because like that's like a whole the, thing. There, there were no reshoots. That was a myth. Um, a long gestating myth, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, shit, man. I'm like, I'm here for it. Drop the movie already. We'll watch it. We'll get all we'll, our pants will be scared off. I'm into it. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, like you said, I, I actually think this cast is very strong. And if this movie had came out, if this movie had come out when it was supposed to, the all of these actors were pretty like popular at the Hot. time yeah those these were the hottest young actors at the time now of course they're all ancient but this yeah, now the, nobody gives a shit yeah this would have been a great vehicle for those actors uh and probably brought people into the theaters because of you know stranger things and game of thrones but now i really don't i don't know what to expect in terms of how many people will actually watch this because of that It'll be interesting because I think if it comes out on VOD, I could see it doing really well just because the fuck else are you doing right now? It's the summer and every mo like, you know, um, most people, uh, we'll say, uh, are hopefully staying home um, <clears throat> most of the time. So, like, you know, I uh, I know I've been, like, looking for things to do. You know, like, um, there's just a movie that came out on uh, Hulu. It's, like, an original with... Andy Samberg and Christy Maloney and like I've never given a shit about original movies on Hulu or Netflix usually but it was like oh I like them that's out cool I'll watch that had a great time with it so I could see it getting a similar kind of like especially if it comes out on like Disney Plus right and it's like you already have it or you have a free trial that's been burning a hole in your pocket it's like yeah fuck it why not it feels like everyone has Disney Plus I guess it would depend on how Disney Plus marketed it obviously but and obviously horror movies in general are kind of a niche audience in general. A lot of people yeah. don't have 
the stomach for horror movies. Um, but man, I'm I'm in. Let's go. It's like the last Fox movie. They have yeah. been having a bit of a renaissance lately too, though horror movies. You know, we have had a few big blockbuster yeah. horror movies sure. over the last couple summers. Like it was a huge thing, and like obviously Get Out. You know, right? But that's not what I'm disputing. It's just that some people in general are like horror. Who I'm out. I'm too yeah. scared. Yeah. Too I hear scared. you. I just feel like summer horror movies are like they they do hit if they're good sometimes, and it could have its moment. I watched uh, watched the Old Guard the other day. I heard that's oh, really good. Yet. Yeah, I heard I heard it kicked ass. I haven't heard anything. Shit was average. Average. Really? Uh, it was good. I it, really no. like Cherise Theron too. Yeah, she's cool. Cherise Theron. Cherise. <laughs> is it is it not Cherise Theron? Charlize. Charlize <laughs> Theron. Three White Claws done, baby. Idiot. <laughs> um. Nah, I think. I don't know. I don't want to say what I think about that movie. No, just um, say it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> no, no, he's saving it, it for the hey, review. Man. Yeah, come on, just say it. I, I, I think that that movie got gassed up because there's a lot of non-straight activity. That's In the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, because there's nothing at all stand out about it. Actually, like the story is very generic. Uh, it's 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 the Matrix. If the Matrix was more bland, damn. <laughs> have you have you read the books? Yeah, I read. I didn't. I don't think I finished them, but I read the first few issues, and I thought it was pretty cool. It's good. Um, but the movie, the movie is fairly faithful, actually. Like there was a lot of stuff that I saw. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. Um, but even the action, which you would think would be the highlight of something like this, got really repetitive, and I don't know. I'd, I'd well, be interested to hear what you guys thought about it, but I I thought it was flat. Sean, would it would it interest the thrust machine? <laughs> I don't think so. It's still very really? funny. It's it's probably so boring it would activate the thrust ma- <laughs> thrust machine. Now the thrust machine. <laughs> Who's been? I drinking? think it would deactivate it. <laughs> what was that, Sean? I think it would deactivate it because. Damn. Is that bad? I don't know. The thrust machine's always activated. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's always on. See, I think he's so boring. He'll, you know. Oh, if that's okay. Man's been. That's what I mean, yeah. Man has created the jackhammer, and the jackhammer goes hand in hand with the thrust machine. <laughs> I don't. If that's how the machine works. Okay. Let's talk. Let's, let's pivot the away from that. The thrust machine and the jackhammer. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, you were so close. You were so close to getting us out. <laughs> trying, trying my best. Uh, let's pivot away from that to something wholesome. Uh, Marco, hop off. Netflix. It, <laughs> Netflix has uh, greenlit a series called Samurai Rabbit: The Usagi Chronicles. Fuck yeah! Which Fuck is yeah. Uh, say, based Kale, on. Up? Stan Sakai's comics. Now, I have never actually read any of this, nor do I know anything about it. All I know, or all I think I know, is that it stars a rabbit who is a samurai who talks, which sounds great. Uh, Kale, you seem to actually know about it, so why don't you talk? 
So Usagi Ojimbo is a story of a of, of a samurai rabbit. Uh, he he's a, a ronin who who is a masterless samurai. He goes around and you know just does his thing and you know helps people where they need it. And um, it's a truly just tremendous story. Um, and and it's you know it's uh, several different stories. So you just hop in, hop out whenever you want. He's got. Haha. <laughs> he just um he just put out a new collection I think through IDW. It's been going for I th- I think this is the 25th anniversary. Oh my God. Yeah, a while, very long time. Since like the 80s yeah. or something. Yeah. Um What makes it good? And it's very it's paced very very well. I think that's the thing. And uh, Stan Sakai both uh, writes and draws it all. And he has this way of evoking mood in his art that is just, it's bar none. Um, it cap- it captures the time period and emotion uh, through, through shadow and, and action just so well. I think... This- um, Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say they have a ton of collections on Comicsology Unlimited. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Um, and some of my favorite stuff I've read on there, stuff I've like screenshotted and clipped out because the moments are that good. So like if I if I'm interested, but I don't like where do you start? What would you recommend is like a good place to jump in? I I mean any number one. Okay. Or just pick it up. Is there like, one that you like a lot that you feel like is a good like? Oh, this is my favorite, or this is one I really stand by. Or uh, I would have to I would have to look that up. Okay. Um, and I'm not going to do that right now. Well, great. But, that's fine. You just killed so any this, momentum I had, but that's okay. Yeah, great, good, love it. Great. But so what this is, or what I think it is, and I'm pretty sure. Um, I did an episode on uh, Stan Sakai and Usagi Ojimbo on Gone Global. Oh, cool. And uh, what I learned is that Stan Sakai has a, a cartoon series that he's been trying to get started since the 80s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, called Space Usagi. And it's oh. uh, a descendant of Usagi Ojimbo who uh, lives in the future and is trying to uphold the ideals of, of the samurai. Uh, and there's a, a pilot that you can find on YouTube. Um, it's really good, actually. Um, so that's what I think this is. He's been trying to get it going for, you know, 30-some-odd years. Have you um, have you read any of that space? Because I, I do think it's part of the... Uh, Yujim, the the Yusagi Yujimbo like storyline. Have you read any of the space stories that he's written? I think I think that he has put a couple of strips out, but I don't think it, it it's an ongoing thing. So uh, another question I have: um, I know that there is like a connection between Usagi Yujimbo and the the turtles. Like I feel like he showed up in. The cartoon or something? Crossed over, yeah. 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 What's up with that? Was that just like a crossover they're friendly or is there like some connection there or I think it's mostly just that they're friendly. Okay. And they're 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 both IDW books, right? Yeah. But this I mean the the crossover happened I think long before. Yeah. Okay. 
That's cool. Yeah, I, I think I think this is this is really cool. It seems like I, I've I don't know anything about this, but it seems like Stan is kind of a, a guy that people are rooting for to see win. Um. And so it's pretty cool to see this actually happening for that reason alone. And uh, hey, it has a talking animal. So, <laughs> you know, you like that. <clears throat> yeah. Apparently, he's been in every one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. The newest one, they do like a three episode uh, storyline. Storyline. Uh, or not the newest one, the last one, where they're, it's very CG animated. Yeah. Uh, that is very very good. That's cool as shit. I I wonder why. Like I just I'm always so interested in that kind of thing. I think it just fits. They just fit together. Yeah. And they're and ninjas. The, he's a samurai. The sure. creators are friendly, and I think it just works. That's cool. Well, this uh, this last thing that we got to talk about before we get into the book reviews definitely has set comics Twitter ablaze. Hype. Ooh, yeah. Hype. In fact, in fact, I would argue that your reaction to this announcement says more about you than it does about the announcement. Almost like a Rorschach. Oh my god. <laughs> I like that. Quickly, just sorry, very quickly to answer bitch. Pete's question. To answer Pete's question, my uh, the Usagi book I would recommend is uh, uh, the Dragon Bellow Conspiracy, book four. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Now, a Rorschach. Yes. <laughs> On Tom King's birthday, no less, we learned that there will be a twelve-issue maxi series coming from Tom King. And uh, Marco, is it is he a George or is he a Jorge? Jorge. Okay, Jorge Fornes. Uh, it's going to be coming in October, and it's called Rorschach. My so uh, my brother has he loves the first three works that Tom King has ever done, and I want to say two two or three years ago he said yeah that's it that's where it ends. And uh, I, I sent him this announcement, and he said, "No." That was his only. That was his only response. It was like, "No." And Your brother's so funny, dude. What a savage. He he's been he's been anti Tom King since uh, the vision ended. He's like, "That's it, yeah. That's oh, it. Shit. That's all he has." And I'm oh, like, "I'm like, shit. no." I'm like, "No." He has more in him. He is, and and Andrew was just like, "No, he doesn't." So what what is he like, sheriff? Omega Sheriff Man Omega Man and Vision. Vision. That's it. And he said shit. that's all. That, that's all he was. That, that's all he he was able to do. Damn, your brother is wow. ahead of the curve. <laughs> wow! Wow! So, he that one word response, two letters, one syllable. That was it. You can tell him I said that too. You can tell him I said he's ahead of the curve because I'm <laughs> fucking impressed. <laughs> all right. Uh. So. The, Rorschach is dead. The original Rorschach is, is is absolutely still dead. This is not go walking that back at all. Um, I I wanted to read a few things because there was a press release and uh, Tom King spoke on what this is going to be. 
He said, like the HBO Watchmen show and very much like the original 86 Watchmen, this is a very political work. It's an angry work. We're so angry all the time now. We have to do something with that anger. It's called Rorschach, not because of the character Rorschach, but because what you see in these characters tells you more about yourself than about them. Uh, that's cool, I guess. Uh, how do you guys feel about the fact that they're doing this? So, <clears throat> the that quote is interesting to me because I, I think... Um, my my initial reaction is is kind of the same way I feel every time that the Watchmen license gets dusted off, where it, it gives me pause, you know, because ultimately, it's not a well I want to keep going back to, and I think the more you do that, the less special it becomes, you know. Um, but that said, it's happening, and we just had HBO's Watchmen, and that was really good. So I'm gonna throw out like I'm. For me, I'm putting aside the whole, I don't want more Watchmen, whatever. Like, I, I don't care about that. Like, let's talk about the news for what it is. I think that there's an opportunity to tell a really interesting story with Rorschach right now. In the same way that I think um, HBO's Watchmen did a really interesting job of using kind of the shadow of Rorschach um, as a figure to talk about you know, the way that um, the way that certain people in our society behave today, you know, and I think uh, the glorification of, of Rorschach by many readers is something that I think you can really, really play with in an interesting way, um, particularly right now in this moment in our society, right? And who uh, Rorschach was in the original book. And how much extreme right-wing nut jobs are a huge part of our daily conversation today, right? Um, so that, I think, is potentially interesting. And it's potentially a worthwhile reason for dusting off the character. Um, but, you know... I, I do still have pause because of the aforementioned reasons about not wanting to go back to the Watchmen well so much, but also because, you know, Tom King has been pretty uneven lately. Um, so it, it's hard for me to say that I'm excited, but I think I see potential for the direction it seems like he wants to go being good if it's well executed but that's the question right no it's rorschach nice that, <laughs> that was good that was good i like that that's interesting because um i sort of had taken it at, at face value in in that you know the the way that rorschach has been sort of popularized is the fact that he is violent the fact that he is you know he sees things in black and white um but you raised a really good point pete in that there's a way for his character and what his ideology stood for in the original Watchmen series and how it can be applied to, um, I, I assume it's going to stay within the realm of the, the eighties, but how it could still be applied to moments that are happening now, how it, how it can, how it can maintain to be relevant because the, a large portion of what uh, Rorschach was, was ideology. 
an ideology doesn't fit into one time period all the time, right? It, it can extend past that. Um, and I think that's a really good point uh, I, I that I hadn't thought about. And um, because of that, I think my my initial reaction might have changed a little bit because um, initially I, I was like, okay, cool, Tom King, like, fine. To your point, he has been uneven and, and I don't, uh, entering a Tom King book, I'm a little more wary. But uh, if he has something to say and hopefully it's different, I mean, it 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 could be good. But, <laughs> at, the, <laughs> but at the same time, I think that there's a way to take advantage of what is currently going on in like public discourse in in what he watchman I mean uh, Rorschach specifically re- uh, represents to the point on returning to the well I find it a little maybe a little annoying cuz it feels soon considering everything that's gone on with Dr. Manhattan, everything coming out of Doomsday Clock, and then to have this one-off Rorschach series where I don't know if it'll necessarily connect with the larger story that's been happening with Dr. Manhattan and how they've been integrating Watchmen into DC proper. I think that's a little frustrating, at least for me. And because Rorschach in particular was so popular, I think... I, th- I think that he better have like a really good story to, to tell. Otherwise, it's it's just going to be a, okay, cool. This is a really popular character. Everybody knows this Watchmen character, and therefore we are making this series. And and I, I'm, I, I'd find that frustrating creatively. Let me pause the discourse here just to uh, add some more context. So this is from the press release. It's been 35 years since Ozymandias was exposed for dropping a giant telepathic squid on New York City, killing thousands and ending the public's trust in heroes once and for all. The Minutemen are gone. Only their memory lives on. Especially the infamy of Rorschach, who has become a cultural icon since Dr. Manhattan turned him to dust. Rorschach may have spoken truth, but he wasn't a hero. So what does it mean when Rorschach reappears as part of a pair of assassins trying to kill the first candidate to oppose President Robert Redford in decades? Follow one determined detective as he walks backward in time, uncovering the identities and motives of the would-be killers, taking him deep into a dark conspiracy of alien invasions, disgraced do-gooders, mystical visions, and yes, comic books. That sounds Interesting. awful. <laughs> I, go ahead Sean that added context turned me off oh um, alright yeah, like it it sounds like the exact opposite of what I, I would have imagined we'd be leaning into like it sounds the opposite of the nuance that Pete was bringing up that he's leaning into the conspiracy aspect he's leaning into like the whole um, not necessarily right wing but the the distrust aspect that Rorschach was famous for and and how you know everything was a question everything was something that we had to probe deeper into I don't know that that's necessarily in my in my opinion fruitful creatively for continuing the story of Rorschach so um yeah that 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 sounds a little frustrating for me yeah I don't 
I don't know. I don't like. I don't know that that means anything. Like it. That's the, the problem. Well, no, but like <laughs> you could be right, right? Like that's that's potentially true. But I I don't like read that, and to me that doesn't say anything about what the story is actually interested in talking about. Like that feels like bullet points of like, oh, these are things that it could touch on. It's like, okay, well... Oh, it sounds like a Tom King book. Okay, yeah, we get it. <laughs> can Make I... Make the same point every time now, Phil. Wait, I'm just I mean, saying, but he's, like... he's not wrong. <laughs> like, that sound, that that pitch is exactly the same as Strange Adventures. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it is. It's a story about the media coming down on a man. It's a story about anger. It's the same. Okay. Sure. So I I message I message Andre right now. I'm like, hey, I I, sh- I shouted you out on the show about like how you don't like Tom King and about this Rorschach thing. He says, I don't know. I'll wait and see. But then again, it's Tom King, so it might be garbage. <laughs> Holy cow! It might be garbage. So he's so we've got it could be good. He's got it might be garbage. Yup. That, that's our conversations about Tom King. Damn, savage. Intense. Uh, well, I am actually. To the surprise of no one, probably, into this. Because I think that Rorschach is a character who sparks a lot of feelings from people. And it's he's very divisive. And I think that there's a lot you can do with a character like that. When there's this... Uh, the hook is already in you. As soon as you read this... You're already sucked in, whether you are into Rorschach or not. One thing that I think is really funny is that all of the people who say, for 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 all of the people who always have to say we shouldn't have any more Watchmen and you know whatever their arguments, Watchmen comic books do really well, right? So someone's reading these damn things, and I think a lot of people will turn will turn out for this. Rorschach is the most popular character from Watchmen, and even those people who don't like him still talk about him because he's controversial. So I think Tom King, given especially his history, and I feel like we always end up bringing this up, but his history uh, with the CIA and stuff lends him well to a story that is politically driven. And the idea of what, you know, what Robert Redford is, this president who's been president for decades at this point um i think tom king could have something interesting to say on that front as well uh and and again the original rorschach is not in this like this is not a story about that character so that really does leave it wide open to be about pretty much anything so i'm i'm into it but 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 again, like uh, Rorschach, like I think at the end of watching Rorschach's whole point was that he was an idea in in like he he didn't necessarily represent like, the person didn't represent Rorschach, right? Rorschach was the idea that could be applied to situations, and so I think that summary starts to tread on territory that is counter that for me, and I don't know necessarily that. It will, it will be a story that is communicated in that way via via the idea of Rorschach and and versus the character. Well, what what about this announcement counters that for you? 
the fact that it's directly going to, uh, at least per the summary, right, directly going to be a conspiracy story where, yes, he delved into conspiracies, but it wasn't because that's what he would do. It's because what ended up, what uh, his logic ended up following that line and sinking him deeper into that hole, right? It wasn't because there was just a conspiracy out there. It was because he continued to, to probe and probe and understand and try to figure out why and therefore led him down this hole. I think that's, uh, see, I think that's I think a good, that, I, I, go ahead, let go me, ahead. let me talk here. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that's where I come from at this, Marco. I think you've kind of done a good job of, of explaining where I start. It, it's like a, it's like a Flanderized facsimile that really bothers me because I, I think there's plenty of good Rorschach stories to be told. Like that's fine. I have no. I I've made it clear on this show in the past that I don't think the Watchmen is some holy bible that can't be touched by other writers. I had no issue issue with John with Jeff Johns uh, approaching the source material at Doomsday Clock. It's just that when Sean read the summary, it felt like they took all the surface level points of the character and were like, "Oh, well, that's who Rorschach is. I'm going to make a story about that." That in itself is problematic for me. That I don't find that to be gripping. Though Sean is right when he says that it will sell really well. I'm sure of that. But the other aspect of it is I don't think Tom King's the guy to write this story. Um, and maybe I would have thought differently three years ago. But his current track record has made that really... Um, I I don't know if he's the guy to really write that story. In fact, we'll get into it later. But Strange Adventures number two makes me feel even more solidified in thinking that I, I don't think he has a good Rorschach story to tell, but that is for later. Um, though the other aspect of this is, is this isn't the original, this isn't Walter Kovacs, right? This is the new Rorschach, correct? Yes. So well, it's, it's, it's not even necessarily, uh, it's not a Rorschach we've seen before. It's not, it's not the kid from Doomsday Clock. It's, it's something new. So it's, it's it's like an almost like Rorschach has become seemingly like a Guy Fox esque figure of inspiration for people or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I I don't doubt that there's a story you can tell with that. It's just between the author and and the and the abstract that's being pitched here. I think Marco's fears are warranted. Hmm. Pete, you were going to jump in. Uh, I was going to respond to <clears throat> something that Marco said where that like Rorschach being a conspiracy person isn't fundamental to his character, that that was just what he found himself in. And I don't think that's true. Um, I think it's, you know, you read his writings, he's constantly making observations about people, jumping to judgments, and like he's a very paranoid person. Um, so I don't... I don't agree with that as a as a detractor for this, like as as a point. Um, that was all I was going to say about that. In terms of like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like this discussion feels half baked. You know, like it's it's very much we're reading into like two or three lines of a press release, and like sure. I think especially for you to say that it's like the Flanders Flanderization of the character when we literally haven't read a line of it seems like a way a way big overstep in my mind. That's um, fair. I'm just speaking on the pitch. It sounds, it sounds bad to me. But you're right. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I get that. I think my thing is that like the it, 
if it wants to deal with deeper themes like that and it had said that in the pitch, you guys would be rolling your eyes and being like, okay, about it too. That's so, true. That is so that's, true. That's kind of like where I, I'm at, where like I just get frustrated when we talk about Tom King books because I feel like there's already the projection of like, well, it's going to be bad. And it's like, oh, okay, well, then why are we even talking about it? Like, you know, it's like it – I don't know. Like well, well, I, I'm, I'm with Sean where like I just – I want to – I could see a version of it being good. I think it's just as likely that it's bad because he's clearly not been um, firing on all cylinders lately. Um, so it's, you know, we'll see where it goes. To that, it, I think I, I think that um, it's it's probably like, like if you take Heroes in Crisis, right, and you put that to the side, okay, you have Batman, which a lot of people liked. I, you know, was iffy. I liked it a lot at the start. Then I was like, eh. Then I liked it again. Then I was like, eh. And we know we talked a lot about the sales already. But in our Discord server, we've heard from a couple of people who said that they really loved it. Um, Strange it's- Adventures, Marco is on record really liking. Spoiler right. alert, but I like the third issue. And a lot of people have liked it so far. It's It's not... I think we live in our own bubble on this podcast where we, you know, have we really didn't like Heroes in Crisis. And then I think we didn't like the winter, the winter uh, swamp thing special that he had done. Um, There's a forgot about that. But then that was kind of like the narrative at that point. So I think it's interesting. And I am very ready and willing to love without reservation something that Tom King does again and I would like for that to be this because so far for all the hate DC has not whiffed on the use of Watchmen so far Be- before nice. Watchmen was uneven okay but it wasn't trash at and Doomsday Clock was good so I'm in. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about touching Watchmen stuff. Like I said, and with regard to Tom King, it, it's it's becoming more of a Bendis thing, where a more vocal minority is clearly voicing out their dissatisfaction with Tom King, uh, for sure. So I don't think we're in a bubble in that regard because that vocal minority does exist loudly. Um, it's just becoming more topical, I guess. The merits of tom king's writing and that's why i think it's a news item because for whatever for for whatever it's worth i guess it's he is a divisive writer now yeah i I think that's fair to say and when i say um bubble i definitely recognize there are other people who feel like we do but when i'm on the internet i would say probably most of the time what I see for Tom's writing is praise that I don't always understand. Um, but but he's popular and people like it. So I don't know. I don't know. But uh, we'll probably be reviewing this when it drops. I, I, I think that's that's at least the first issue. Wait, Kale, what do you think about this, man? You, you kind of I been, don't care. No, right. I wrote it <laughs> entirely. <laughs> All right. I was hoping you wouldn't ask because I I don't give a shit. I'm so done with Watchmen. 
Oh. I really like that you were like, I'm not going to say anything. Fuck this. And Sean probed you a little. And you're like, no, this shit sucks. Here's you my pitch for y'all. You know what's really cool about that? Um, October 3rd, October 13th, this, book's com- this book comes out, which is a Tuesday, not a Wednesday. Thanks, DC. Yeah. Uh, and that Saturday, you will actually get to read this book. That's good. I like that Kale has to read this. Yeah. Uh, hang on, let me look at my calendar. I think I'm sick. Ooh. <laughs> Definitely gonna be good. I think well, I'm gonna. I, oh, the Rona got me. What do you know? Kale's journal. Oh boy, I'm sick. October 13th. <laughs> <laughs> the gutters are filled with my own blood and vomit. <laughs> I look up and whisper, Sean, please don't make me read this shitty book. And he says, No. <laughs> 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 what do you think I am? Some cartoon supervillain? I made you read it 35 minutes ago. <laughs> time, time, time is all re- Time is all relative, Kale. You've been reading Watchmen in the past, in the future. And you're reading it six minutes ago. You've, you've read it six minutes from now. In six seconds, you're going to open the book. It is You've been reading it since you were born. It is October 2020. I am again reading Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, you know we're gonna be we're definitely gonna be reading that uh, in October. I feel like Doctor Manhattan because I can predict the future, uh, and I can also tell you you're also a sick fuck who enjoys experimenting on us. <laughs> that's true as well. Um, I'm currently experimenting with Marco to see uh, how much of a masochist he is. Bro, um, Onslaught is not bad. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's, it's not <laughs> bad. Did you just hear Bill's laugh? <laughs> <laughs> the claw's coming out. <laughs> what are you, the fucking Joker? <laughs> um, yeah, so... I'm not the only person who uh, could possibly be punishing Marco. Marco was challenged by someone just on social media to uh, another game of Smash Brothers. So this might become a thing. This is the new thing. Write in if you want to challenge Marco to Smash Brothers. However, know this. If you lose, you will also be subject to punishment. Let's go. I... Whoever's listening right now, you wanna you wanna throw down? Let's go! You're trash. Whoa! I'm gonna fucking wow. win. It's not my fault that you play with bad people. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna win. Sean, yeah. is is Marco any good? Marco's all right. He's okay. Yeah, bro. I just I want our audience to fucking bankrupt you. <laughs> I just annihilate you. No, I have a wedding to plan for again. <laughs> stop taking challenges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know how, oh man never mind um no yeah. what no come on <laughs> a quick shout I do out my to- best to make this show like appropriate for children and then you guys just blow that away so yeah, i'm not gonna obviously. say what i want to say butt cheeks keep- go ahead ah, sure. <laughs> um so you know how there are uh men who go to certain websites where they uh, watch women on cameras and they pay a lot of money to do that 
And sometimes sure. uh, they are pay slaves. Like, like all they do is pay their money and get nothing out of it. And that's what they get out of it. I feel oh, like God. simps. <laughs> like, that's their punishment, right? I it's feel like. Marco's kink. This is Marco's kink. Like, this is sure. this is Marco's version Bro. of it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it. yeah, step on my balls and beat my ass and smash. <laughs> we haven't, we on this show, we haven't even gotten close to Marco's kinks. Um, I believe that. Come on, Ganondorf, ruin me. <laughs> I believe that. I've heard enough about them, so if Fucking we haven't even gotten close, ass. I'd really like to tape. Oh, no, 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 no. Falcon Punch fist me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I you wanted to transition Captain to Falcon. the Show me your Five minutes ago man <laughs> <laughs> And I should have <laughs> <laughs> I had a clean way to get there But we had to get derailed We're not clean then. We, we Now it's clean all no dirty Want to get down in the mud Verse <laughs> <Gosh>. external <laughs> <laughs> The filth of this city <laughs> The filth of Marco <laughs> all right uh so we were talking about tom king we're going to continue to talk about tom king because now we're going to review strange adventures number three so from talking about tom king to talking about tom king we're going to be reviewing stranger Str- oh god i do this Ooh, every time stranger, stranger things. things jeez strange yep, adventures Strange Adventures number three. And uh, again, of course, Mitch Jarrods, Doc Shaner on art, Clayton Cowles on letters. Um, great creative team, as always. The art is really, really strong in this issue, and we're going to be talking about that. Um, I have been kind of a detractor. I think I've liked each issue more than the last. The first one, I was like lukewarm on. The second one, I saw what he was trying to do, but I wasn't in love. And then this one, I, I think I liked uh, quite a bit more than I had. So uh, how's everybody else feeling about it? Marco, you like it, so you can talk last. This, oh. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh, oh. I was ready. Uh, yeah. I was ready. I would say I agree with you, Sean. Um, I haven't been down on the book, but I don't feel like it has done a lot so far to really engage me like in, in, in as much as I want it to I guess right and I don't know what it was about this issue that struck a chord with me more than the last two but I agree with you that it did um and I I'm, I don't I'm interested if you feel the same way uh I, I can't quite place my finger on what about it stood out but it felt better part of it was well, you know what? I'll I'll get into it a little later. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you, Phil? It was the best of the three, I think. If I'm being sincere, um, I, I I think it's I think it's too slowly paced still, and that's not a common knock I would put on things. I typically love things that are slowly paced, but when things are slowly paced, they have to mean something. And a big issue in the second issue was that it was too much repetition of the same thing. And that is that, that doesn't exist here, fortunately. But at the same time, 
and this was an issue in um in his event as well heroes in crisis um you have to pace things so that they matter too um and when you read these 25 some pages can you tell me like more than a single sentence what happens you know like it feels like only one or two things happen over the course of a single issue and i don't know if that's enough um it seems like he gets lost in 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 dragging things out um but that's just regardless of that i i still think this was the best issue of the three um some of the smaller moments worked for me, like him uh, associating with Superman and Hawkman, uh, juxtaposed again with this amazing Doc Shaner portion of the book. I, I can't, I can't stress enough how good that is. Um, it's, it's still not good enough to salvage it yet, but I, I, I found this to be the best of the three. I think, <clears throat> I think uh, I agree, but mostly on the basis of there's action in it. And something happens with the action. Mm, sure. Like, you know, in Doc, in Doc Shaner's part, he fights, you know, the alien gladiatorial thing and wins. And that's something. But for me, just the the rest of the content was the same as the others, just nothing. And I understand why you feel that way, but I also don't feel like it's nothing. I feel like it, it feels like nothing because we don't know what it means yet. Because, like, I feel like there was actually a lot of information in this issue in terms of, you know, like, the, the, the fight, I think, was, like, a cool sequence. But it also definitely advanced our knowledge of that timeline and, like, how things played out. Um, because, you know, we knew that, that they went into the desert to do this to try and get the resources from this other species that also occupy the planet like we are getting movement in the plot i just feel like we don't have context yet for what any of it really means so like it just feels like a lot of information and i don't think it's like info dumpy because it's not just like here's a list of all these things these things you need to know but it does feel like now you know a quarter of the way through the book we are still very much just like laying threads and I think, to Phil's point, I think it's done better in this issue, and it's more rewarding in this issue, but I I still would like it to be moving a little bit quicker, even if I did dig this issue more. And I think normally, uh, Pete, to your point, real quick, Marker, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I think that would be, I think, I think, I think that would be okay normally, because that's happened in other um, Tom King books. I think the patience with that is a little worn thin just because of recent track record. I think when you when you drag things out, there's a certain there's a certain trust you have to be able to instill in the author to be able to be dragged out this long. Um, that I think that 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 kind of reward has been. It's not as. Um, it's not as easily gained at this point, if that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I get what you mean. Like, you, you feel like you've been burned by giving him that benefit of the doubt in the past. Yes. And you're less willing to do it now. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah. 
Whereas I, I feel like I'm more in line with what Sean said, where I've always felt like the the sweep that we made from Tom King's one of the best people working in comics to Tom King is a hack um, felt like very, very dramatic to me. So the idea that <clears throat> this could be a book that is him getting back in his groove is something I still haven't given up on. Um, so I'm trying to look at it for like, okay, cool. Like, what is this issue trying to say about its characters? And I think it actually does say a good amount about our major characters who we don't already know, right? Like, I think without saying anything, it says a good amount about both Alana and Adam. Man, I'm sorry, Mark. I, no, no. I... This is probably the lowest issue for me so far. Whoa. Really? I, I did not like this issue at all. I don't think it said anything like the fight is only good in context to the story that's being provided narratively via the book but i think it felt like especially after it appeared on like the mdn news or whatever it just felt like a gossip sequence and i personally don't have patience for that kind of shit where it's like oh this is what's happening in this and this is what's happening with that and I, I don't I, I I mean I don't know that I got anything out of this issue that I didn't already know. I think the only curious bit for me was that they would ask for the investigation and then start to counter the investigation by saying, "Oh, I don't know why they're investigating me. What's going on?" Yeah, that's what I mean. I feel like it says a ton about Alana. Like I don't think we've ever been presented that like Alana was a puppet master in this situation, and that's very much what I got from this issue, right? But, like. But I don't know that that's like yes, but and maybe it's your point. Like since we don't know the full story yet, for me that just felt like empty. Like I don't, I feel I don't, like I feel like that was in the first issue. Yeah, it was. Well, that, like that, we that, saw the it was that, him the first yeah. glimpse of yeah that, that, yeah that she was like obviously controlling the narrative and trying to be able to to say something about it. But her the action of her controlling the narrative isn't interesting to me, and I think that. For for that reason, I was just like, okay, fine. So she's spinning it in some way. I don't I don't care because I still don't know why or to what extent or even what. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and because of that, I thought, okay, fine. This was whatever. This was this was a bland issue to me um, from a narrative perspective. Huh. I, I I didn't get much out of it. It, That's fascinating. It, it does feel like it retreads some of the territory left in the first issue, for sure. Yes, yeah. Because we know this about Alana already, but we don't know why. And that's what the mystery that's supposed to be unfolding. But when you kind of repeat some of the steps that are left in the first issue. So the second issue leaves off with where Mr. Terrific leaves off, right? Because Because it's the whole thing with the daughter, right? And we don't get really any of the follow-up if anything the third issue feels like it goes back to the steps in the first issue except adam strange is asking huh why is he asking about my daughter there's no resolution to that obviously that might come later but when you focus like 25 pages on that it's not super interesting at that point like we understand we it's the same problem with the second issue with mr terrific where he keeps repeating the same steps over and over we understand you don't have to spend a full issue repeating the same steps i think but but to that I felt like it 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 said more about the character in those repetitions 
and and like obviously you can mm. you can listen back to our, our, our episode. Mr. Terrific. Yeah, Mr. Terrific. And you can listen back to our, our episode on that and like how I felt about it. But I mean I it, it the repetition therein became like almost like a motif. And here I don't know that there was anything for me to hold on to to be like, okay, fine, what are you trying to tell me? Hmm. I I I think this this conversation is really interesting. I definitely came away from this issue liking it more than I than I had the others. Um, but hearing what you guys are saying is kind of making me reevaluate some things too. Um, on the one hand, when I first read this issue, I was annoyed by the media stuff, right? Because uh, I feel like that's a common thing, and it's really. It's a it's played like, out trope. Yeah, you're telling me what I already know. But in this issue, it's actually played a little differently than traditional in the sense that uh, Alana is, is is clearly using the media as a way to put heat on the Justice League um, and take it off of her and Adam because her and Adam are the heroes, right? And, and her and Adam are publicly loved they're adored but clearly there's something going on behind the scenes and uh i'm interested in that and i'm compelled by that i guess and 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 actually i do want to continue with the positives um i've really liked alana all throughout this book she's yeah yeah she's got a problem and i've never seen smoking look so good in a comic book before i know they're trying to like (laughs) ban smoking on netflix and stuff it should ban smoking in comics because she made me want to smoke. That it, it 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 looked great in this issue. That scene of her just blowing smoke in Batman's yeah. face, I was like, yeah, like that's why it's so surprising to me that you guys like feel like you didn't get much out of it because like I feel like I got so much more out of her character than I ever have before. I'm right there with you, Sean. Damn, I did not like the smoking. Like why? it just felt like what? it just felt like. Like especially if you look at uh, on on the I'm I'm comicsology page fifteen right there's like that center panel of her it just feels like a layer of some sort of art on top of a layer of some sort of art on top of a layer of some sort of art and I just I was like okay that feels lazy I don't know it it, it didn't like yes it was cool as a device but I didn't um I didn't find it visually interesting as a device it's... I thought it was I thought it was good. Like, it's so interesting to me that you feel that way, considering how much you like the second issue. You I know, know like, I know. And, and, so, I'm so surprised by your reaction. And yeah. I, I was surprised to feel this way too, because I was so hot on the second issue, and and then for this to drop, and I'm just like, I don't like any of this. That's wild. <laughs> uh yeah. But the but the other side of my feelings is, you know, this is going to go on for twelve issues. Right, like this is the third issue, and there's nine more. Um, that seems like a lot. So, and and they still haven't teased or 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 addressed like where this might go. And the problem with this story so far is that each issue, to me, is not compelling enough in a vacuum to justify the next issue. You know, um, even the way this issue ends is not, I like that scene. I, I thought it was a good scene and I was interested in it, but it's, it doesn't end in a way that I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to see what happens next. What, what's going to happen? You know, like, wow, 
damn, she blew smoke in Batman's face. Clearly, she's hiding something. But if the end result of this is just Alana's bad, that's like, all right, well, we knew that in issue one. What's the what's the crazy that's going to elevate this to the next level? It could be a red herring, obviously. That's like a common trope in mystery, right? Um, the problem is when the, the mystery payoff doesn't feel like a payoff, and that certainly was the case in Heroes in Crisis. Um, obviously, Tom King has been writing Batman for a long time. Uh, that doesn't mean that he's a mystery author, right? Um, and that th- there's room for doubt for the payoff here, because you're right, Sean. When you say, we know Alana is not necessarily good, well, what's the payoff going to be? And we don't know yet, but it raises necessary questions about can you trust where it's going? One thing I found... And and maybe this can transition to it to the art. Maybe it won't. But and I, I want to preface this by saying the art in this book is tremendous. It's Mitch so Gerard's good. and Doc Shaner are just at that that Gerard's panel of a page of Superman and and Strange flying at the alien. Top Crazy. notch. Yeah, absolutely love it. What Sean was saying about this feeling drawn out and there being nine more issues. This is something that's bothered me since issue one. Most of the pages in this book are three panels. Yes, yes, yep. And that is drive... Like, again, I love the art. It's a tremendous showcase for the art. It's driving me crazy because there's no... Like, it feels like there's so little information in each one when there could be so much information. We've, but, but to that, sorry, Phil, but to that, if you take a look at it, every center panel of the three page, um, if it's not a general like panel, you're going to see a close up of Alana specifically in it. And, and that, that was interesting for me from an artistic perspective, because I'm like, okay, cool. Like they're trying to tell something about Alana, obviously in this story. And you're going to see from like page, what is this? page nine through page 14 through whatever like you're going to see that anytime that there's a center panel and alana is like the focus she's either larger compared to any of the other panels or she's speaking in that center panel and i thought that that was specific to to what's going on in the story um but i agree that the three panels were a little bit frustrating because it felt like it was pacing things a little bit quicker and not giving you enough of that information. So I agree on that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think that's the the part of the book that I'm still really just not sold on and that I'm like struggling to connect with is I think that uh the point that you made, Sean, about I I'm not necessarily um out on on the mystery or any of those things. And I think that there's a good chance that all of these threads that are being laid could end up being satisfying in the end. But I very much agree with the opinion about I don't feel like any one issue has justified me to read the next issue, right? Like my my desire to see it play out is that this creative team uh, with the addition of, of Doc Shaner, who's also fantastic, um, are capable of really good work. And I want to believe that it's going somewhere. Um, 
but that's it, right? Like, it's not, oh, I loved that issue. I can't wait for the next one. Um, and that's what you want to see. And we could get there, but we all said the same thing about Heroes in Crisis, right? Where it's like, all right, this is a little slow. Let's see where it goes. Like, let's see what the payoff is. And I, I totally get that doubt. Um, and I, I, I know that if we weren't re, like reviewing it on the show, I probably wouldn't be reading it month to month. And I'd want to, I said that in the last review, um, I'd want to wait until it was done. Cause I think if it's going to be good, I think it'll be more satisfying as a piece where you can read these issues and get what you're supposed to get out of them and have the payoff soon, not nine months from now. Imagine you are watching a television show where three episodes in a row feel like they focus on the same aspects of the mystery. If it was a popular TV show, that TV show would be being it would be dragged by people watching, right? Because you'd feel like you'd watch the same thing three times in a row. Um, that's a problem with Tom King's writing style of late, is that it drags the same aspects of the mystery out through multiple issues. And now we've had a pandemic happen and, and take place over the last half a year. And obviously that's dragged out Heroes in Crisis. But three issues over the course of six-something months where we're asking the same questions we asked at the end of the first issue isn't good. And that's a problem with with, with plotting in comic books with – uh, amateur writer in many respects and I don't uh, that's an unfair insult I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying Tom King's an amateur writer but especially in the olden days with people like Denny O'Neill comic books would be plotted in such a way that each issue would advance something like a TV episode you know uh, every issue would at least feel like it was addressing something different and that would be f- like his slow plotting would be fine as uh, insofar that it felt like it was addressing a new thing per issue but when we feel like we're circling back to the first issue and the third issue that's that's an issue that's a problem <laughs> yeah and and to to respond quickly to what to what Pete mentioned i think that was probably my greatest frustration in this in this issue is that because of what had happened in issue two, we didn't see a resolution necessarily of that entire communication between Mr. Terrific, his ideas, and everything that was being applied to forward at the end of issue two. It literally the first page is, okay, thank you so much. Very much appreciated. And then Mr. Terrific is walking away. And like th- that's not satisfying to me who enjoyed issue two and I thought we were going to see some sort of questioning, some sort of actual conversation happen here but we're seeing everything post conversation post conversation to adam strange yes post conversation to superman post conversation to hawkman and the the sin that we always bring up is uh don't tell but show right and and we didn't see that yeah yeah and i i would be willing to bet we'd see that questioning later maybe maybe yeah, yeah. And i think that's gonna be annoying as fuck yeah potentially um yeah, and I think uh, Phil brought up earlier where, like, stuff being a slow burn is not a problem for me. Like, that's something that, um, like, Kirkman has often um, been accused of is that, like, he lets stories breathe and, like, he definitely, like, things can be a slow burn, you know? Um, like, there are plot lines in the first 20 issues of Invincible that come up 40 issues later, you know? Uh, and I think that that can be rewarding, you know, but I think the difference between this and um, and between what I like in a, a slow period of a Kirkman book is that, like, 
Marco made the point of we keep coming to these pivotal conversations and these scenes we'd really like to be a part of after they've already happened or when they're already in motion and we miss a lot of it. Whereas in a, in a book where like in a like Walking Dead, a stretch of that where the book is accused of being slow, there's nine panel grid after nine panel grid of characters having conversations. And like that to me is satisfying if it's dialogue, if it's really meat and it's like, okay, cool. I walk away from this feeling like I know this character better. I understand their motivations more, you know, or I, I feel like, oh, they said something that will mean something later. Like I feel like we're getting glimpses of that and I want to believe that they're going somewhere. But even if they are, that won't um, – this is something that we said during our Heroes in Crisis review as well, which was – even if it gets somewhere good, it won't justify how much time was spent or maybe not spent, but how much time was wasted in these first few issues that could have gone to more interesting places, you know? Um, And that was something we called out in the last issue of like, oh, like, is Mr. Terrific's daughter's death going to mean something or is that a throwaway line? Is it going to come back later or is it not? And the fact that we are keep coming back to that same criticism and being like, is this going to pay off or is this just a detail that I was given? Um, not knowing does make it tough to, to read this month to month and not have these criticisms come up, you know, and not put that faith there. And um, cause it's already been happening in this book, let alone a previous mystery story that we had read. And quickly, just like a dissenting opinion to that, but like, like, yes, uh, I, I agreed, but I think for, for issue two, for me, at least, I thought that this would be continued in issue three and my disappointment then there stems from that it's brushed aside in issue three. And at that point I start to like align with, with you Pete where it's like, okay, but then where is this going to fit in? Yeah. It's like, then why did we have a whole issue about it? Right. Yeah. I also, and, like it's possible we come back to it later, but that speaks to a pacing issue, right? I also think it's worth mentioning that, so far, this series has not presented us with any particular consistent presence to like or not like. Because Tom is trying to deliberately obscure everyone's motives to the degree that I don't know if I'm supposed to like Adam Strange or not. I don't know if I'm supposed to like Alana or not. I don't care about Mr. Terrific because he's appeared in like he's had a more than just a high and by role in only one issue. And in that one issue, he was actually kind of annoying. So there's nothing to like latch onto in a positive or negative sense, which makes the book harder to read. Uh, and if you were to combine if you were to somehow condense these three issues into two, if you because I, I do agree there was a lot of wasted space, and it's nice to appreciate the art by uh, giving us less panels, but we understand that that takes away from the amount of story you can tell. So if there was a way to condense the events of these three issues into the two, I think that would go a long way. The fact that this is the third issue and we still don't know a single relevant piece of information is actually wild. If you just ask yourself this question, and then we're going to talk about the art. From the first issue to now, what do you know that you didn't know? Hawkman. Hawkman yeah. got interviewed. I, 
I think of the great what, what's often called the greatest screenplay in Hollywood history, which is the movie Chinatown, which is a crime noir movie. That's a movie where every single thing matters over the course of two and a half matter two two and a half hour, two and a half hours, and you as the audience member feel engaged from the minute it starts. Like the mystery is engaging, and everything feels like it has a payoff toward the end. And with mysteries, that's so challenging. And this is the second mystery book by Tom King where I don't know. I, Sean, you've said everything. I don't. I don't think anything has really changed over the last three issues. Yeah, like ultimately, the takeaway from this is that, like, we knew that there was a secret, right? I think the the takeaway from this is you know, basically just an expansion on a thread that was already introduced in the first issue, right? Which is... Oh, the secret's bigger. Well, so the secret's bigger, but also that, like, they're playing a game, right? Like, they're trying to control the narrative and the investigation and their reaction to it and all of those things are part of that. Cool. Why? Pete, Or, or, Or so what? Pete, you talk about... Maybe this is a book that may benefit from trade waiting, but it's not written that way because every issue is, feels like it's meant to end on something of suspense. But what suspense? It, it feels more like a wet fart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. Like it, it's tough to say. You know what I, I, I mean, can't. I, yeah, like I, I know what you mean, but I think you can make an argument that that's because Tom King knows that this book will be released monthly, and that's how comic books are supposed to work. Not because that's what he wants the story to feel like. You know what I mean? I, I agree. Like, I, I agree with you, but I don't know that that, is, that that takes away from the fact that it could work as a complete work. Listen, I, I'm saying that, okay, if the book is meant to trade be trade-weighted or whatever, it's not doing a good job of that because it hasn't advanced the story at all in any interesting way. If the book is meant to, meant to be read monthly, every cliffhanger is ending in a non-eventful way that I don't care so either way you slice it, it's not meaningful, it feels like, so if, far. If this were to be released in a trade, right, by now you would have read what? Let's, what, 20 issues of story per book or 25? 60 pages. You would have read, yeah, you would have read about, what, 60 pages, something around there, maybe more. Um, and like I said, I feel like you would know essentially nothing more than you knew when you opened the book. And that's a problem. And that's really not okay, um, especially when you consider that, you know, look, these things are expensive. This is like a $5 book, um, and it's not advancing the story. That's kind of frustrating. But I say that as someone who actually found um, several things to enjoy in this issue. But I just recognize that even though that is the case, Something is wrong with the way that the story is being presented, in my opinion. And uh, I'm still hopeful that it can improve, but that remains to be seen. What has stayed consistently strong is the art. Uh, I pointed out the smoking. I think this was a great issue for Alana overall. She just owned every page that she was on. Um, I think Mitch did a great job presenting her in this book um just the different like the way she is on camera versus off camera the way she is when she knows someone can see her versus when she's just with uh with her husband so 
uh, a lot to like there, and and the pages are just so clean. Like, there's just nothing. There's not a hair out of place. I feel like in this book. Yeah, and I, 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 again, we've talked about it a lot, but I think the juxtaposition of the two art styles is pretty cool. Um, I, I, I definitely found a lot to enjoy from an artistic perspective for sure, and like we talked about, I think this issue definitely benefited from having a good action sequence. Um, because just getting to see Doc Shaner show off a little bit, it's yeah. good stuff. It's real good stuff. Yeah. It's re- it's real cool that uh, Mitch made, uh, modeled Adam Strange off Tom King. Did you guys yeah, think yeah. he does really look like him? Yeah, you're right. Is that actu- is that true or are you just kidding? Well, I mean, look at him. He he does look a lot. Yeah, I was looking at the same panel. He looks That's fucking a spitting lot image. Like Tom that could King. be a picture of Tom King. <laughs> he just shave his head. <laughs> but yeah, um, interesting issue. Interesting issue. I'm not sure if we're gonna be back for a fourth. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, I'm coming yeah. back for a fourth. You come talk you, to me in the right. Discord. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Maybe if I the feel. fourth issue has something to say. Damn. But let's uh, just one quick one one more quick uh, art call out where Doc uh, drew Adam the page where Adam is uh, beating the his gladiator opponent with the, the hammer. Mm. No, his helmet. Yeah. Uh, that last panel is <sighs> insane, dude. Yeah. That looks like uh, something out of The Walking Dead. Like just demented. The, yeah. The close so up good. on the face. Oh my god, so strong. It's, it's so like against his the style that he's known for that it's it's so good yeah and i feel like particularly like the way that adam is presented in the doc stuff where like most of the time it's very like he feels like a golden age kind of hero like seeing him break like that i was like that is a powerful moment in the story oh interesting Um, i wonder if even like artistically it like leans into a little bit of the the Gerard stuff, right? Because like you see more scratches on that second I was panel. That too, yeah, you see, I was and then like that. definitely in the third panel, you see like the vertical lines, the scratches across. Interesting. Where it starts to bleed into that, right? From like the story to the reality. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. No, right, well, there's no one to question the art, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Sean's trying to move us along. Let's go. Obviously. Sorry. I wanna I wanna get into the Empire number one review. Uh, this, of course, by Al Ewing and Dan Slott, Valerio Shidi on art, and Marta Gracia on colors, who always brings it. Um, let's see. The first thing that I noticed about this issue, like when I first opened the book. Was that I really, really was like, what happened on that first page art-wise? Yeah. Every single person on that page looks the worst they've ever looked in a book that I've seen. <laughs> I hate to say that, yeah, that so harshly. But. He's, he's read. Like I said, I, I went from uh, uh, the Fantastic Four issue. Uh, I did too. <laughs> To this, yeah, I can't remember who drew it. It was, it was I think, whoever's on the normal uh, rotation or whatever. But uh, I, I went from that to this, where Reed looks great. I and I went, ooh, what happened there? His hairline receded big time. This Reed reminded me of, like, he looks like. I 
I don't know. I thought he looked like Al Ewing, kind of like. Oh wow! Same I kind know. of hair. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I thought that particularly Ben looks really funny in that first shot to me, just because like his head looks so small compared to his yeah. body. Like he looks like a reverse Funko Pop. <laughs> like <laughs> it just looked odd. Sue is like that's the generic lost Sue Blonde pose. Yeah. yeah, dead in the eyes. Yeah, well, damn. Oh, man. However, to be fair, the the spread with the ships right below that looked pretty cool. rad, pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Yeah, that, that was cool. Um, I will start by saying that I did not really like this issue very much. I had high hopes coming into Empire because of the creative team attached and because of the fact that you know the Fantastic Four finally centered to an event again. It's a space event. Kree scrolls awesomeness. And I feel like on every level that I was looking forward to this, it let me down. Um, I thought that the dialogue was like painful to read sometimes. Uh, a lot of times it was extremely basic and so generic. And there's a few moments that I wanted to point out because they were they were grating. And I just, I don't know who is necessarily responsible for what but there's a there's a particular moment later on in the issue where it, it you know it's it's reed's uh inner monologue and he's thinking about uh you know the wonders that he's seen in his life he says i've seen a great many wonders in my life and then the next panel is sue storm you know doing whatever she's doing she's um yeah. sealing the breach and he says and when you're married to the greatest wonder it's easy to take them in stride. And it's just like, come on, man. You got to be. I would have written that when I was like 15. You got to be kidding me, dude. It's, it's That was pretty rough. It's really easy to mail in dialogue with the Fantastic Four for some reason. I don't get it. It's worse than mailed in. It's like, you're. Okay, we understand. They make the point several times that Sue is the greatest Fantastic Four member. I have no problem with that. That's fine. But why does it have to be repeated over and over and over again? She's the greatest wonder you've ever seen. That's what you're thinking about when you're facing off with the... You think right now that the Kree and the Skrull have united, which is the worst thing that could possibly happen. And what you're thinking about is how wonderful your wife is. It's like, damn, I, I really love my wife. Damn. I'm sure there's a lot of people who go, <laughs> I go... What are we doing here? Damn, I thought that was kind of cute. I I, I don't I don't have do. the same relationship you do with them, but I thought it's, I was like I was like, damn, it's in this time of peril. But you look at her and be like, damn, but like I'm married to that shit. I don't know. I I was like, oh okay, that's cute. But the, but it's not even about what I my relationship to the characters. It's just about what makes sense in life. If you were if you put yourself in those shoes, you're Reed Richards. <laughs> you're the smartest man on the in the world, right? One of the smartest living beings. And instead of trying to think about what to do in this situation, you're thinking about how wonderful your wife is. So you're not helping. You're just thinking about your wife. Yeah, but That's you useless. come you could but your eyes pass over the scene and then stop at your wife like, damn. And then you keep going. Like, I don't know. I, I see that. <laughs> it's too uh... You know what, Marco? 
I don't hate it. <laughs> See, wow, battle, battle, battle. Mm, listen, nice. I don't like it. I don't like it. Let me be clear. <laughs> But I don't hate it. <laughs> it, it I can just, see it. It took me so quickly out of the moment that I was trying to get in. I just couldn't. Every t- And that was supposed to be a cool moment. Right. It was. It's, no, it wasn't. Breach, I, breach I, seal. Damn, my girl got it. <laughs> Jesus. I did, I, did like, um, I did like the conceit of that. Right, like I'm with you, Kale. Where like I feel like that that could have been a really cool scene. Like I like the whole like when I'm reminded for my capacity for awe. Like that's like a cool line in reference to what's happening. Um, but yeah, I I felt by and large like this issue felt like kind of um like cheesy, you know. Uh, and like I didn't have an, as an extreme of a of a reaction to it as Sean did. Um, cause like, I didn't hate it. Like I didn't, you know, like it, it just felt, it felt like an event book, you know? And it didn't no. feel like a good event book or a bad one to me. It just was like, yeah, like this, it just feels like a big noisy thing and it's not, you know, like it, it didn't, it didn't land for me in a, a major way, but it didn't like super turn me off. Either. No, Pete, Pete, you're right. It felt exactly like an event book. You know what event it felt like? It felt like an onslaught oh event. In that, in that I was Classic. like, oh yeah, I'm seeing characters meet up together. I'm seeing them interact and they have their own personal opinions about whatever. But you know what? It's just at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of characters smushed together. It That's what it feels like. It's an event book. It's a oh Marvel Stop event book. Stop saying that. I hate that. If, like, if some of the greatest... <laughs> Books published by by Marvel or DC are events. I'm so over that narrative. Thor literally says, he says, this distance from the fray ill suits me, Stark. What year is this? Where that's dialogue that gets put on a page. Yep. What what, what, right. what is that? That's sounds like bad. That book. Sounds, sounds straight from the movie to me. That's a Kenneth Branagh line right there. <laughs> <laughs> um... I will say uh, one positive is I kind of dug the Hulkling angle. Yeah. Uh, I like that he's kind of a... He's not confident. And I like that he is kind of a a leader put on the spot. And he's criticized by the Avengers for being naive. And to the extent of naivety is to be seen. But that, that was the hook of the issue that... I was I was into because all the other complaints and dialogue are completely merited. What's happening with Hulkling is I, I Cal kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the episode. I'm intrigued. But Hulkling is right. And that's the thing that, that also frustrated me. Is that Hulkling is seeing Hulkling the Kree and the Scroll are seeing the situation for what it is. The Avengers and the Fantastic Four don't because they have preconceived notions about what the Kree and the Skrull are. That's fine. Tony Stark immediately gets blamed for the fact that they didn't, you know, realize that the Kotati were playing them. And the only reason that happens is because that's Tony Stark's role in Marvel Comics to be the blamed guy. What all the Avengers are there. Why is Tony Stark the only one responsible? 
Well, he's the one it, making orders. Because he profiteers off the victims of, of uh, his, war, his war weapons <laughs> and his war crimes. What? Do, does another... <laughs> Sean, does another character blame him, or do you just mean like the text? Because I remember there's that part where he's like, "What did I do? What did I do?" And I, I think Reed says, "Tony, what did you do?" Right? No, yeah. it's it, there's yeah. there's a there's a there's a scene in like a, it's a double page spread where he's they they open like that like a large egg thing, and then Cap goes, "Tony," and he responds with, "Steve, I, right. I, I okay, didn't yeah, know." Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like implicit. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. And it's constant, and I already know that throughout this series, that's going to be a factor. That's going to be a part of the story. It's, that's stupid. That's not. Why didn't Cap- he know, Sean? Why didn't Captain Marvel know? I don't know. <laughs> Thor knew. Why didn't he do anything? Yeah, Thor was awful in this issue. He did nothing at all. Um, no, he threw the hammer, and then uh, Mister Fantastic was in awe. Did nothing. <laughs> It made it made Mr. Fantastic look at his wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, wonderful, um, fantastic. Um, another positive is I, I liked uh, I like what's his name Captain uh, Global or something the Creed Glory, Glory. Captain Glory. It was I don't it was fun. Did um did you guys get the version that had the script in the back? Yes. Yes. Uh, it says that he, Captain Glory, is a mix. He's the Cree Captain America, but actually he's more like the bad Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the art was was better, I guess, but these pages just felt stuffed. Yeah, I and I think that's why the 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 uh, the characters. St- especially in the beginning suffer so much because this whole thing happens with like a giant ship armada in the in the background yeah and like so like i think that's why everyone looks so weird i thought the art was like fine it it was pretty consistent I, i i didn't have any like gripes with it i think one of the uh, one of the few things was like to your point, like it, the the paneling, it was kind of stuff. Like there was just like a lot going on that you had to like bounce around on. That I personally was just like, okay, I'm, like, I, I get it. I'm just kind of like tired of having to figure out uh, necessarily where it's it's all going to. It wasn't as uh, straightforward, but I mean, I thought the art was it was okay. It wasn't there was anything egregious about it. I did appreciate the the Kotati's sort of aesthetic so it kind of turned like mayan aztec or whatever especially when um the one guy is like we are the avengers now and he's like all showing off or whatnot um i thought it was kind of interesting that it it for me it seemed like that's what kind of influenced the the art and style for them i gotta say uh <laughs> that moment I got really taken out of it because he said something about like we gotta unite against like the meat creatures or whatever and it just it made me think of Futurama like he's like we gotta take down the meat bags it's like okay <laughs> oh the not uh you have done a noble service today a service to the Kotati and life itself not the skittering meat things that chatter and poison and devour but the true yeah. life Tony sure. Stark says, I'm sure you screwed up, kid, but don't worry. 
the Avengers will save you. Just Hell stay yeah. out of our way. It's the 1970s, oh Sean. That's, no, God. hold on. That's a Robert Downey Jr. Lawson. <laughs> you can't tell me. That's, I mean, that's he's talking to Spider-Man if, right there. If Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. said it, then maybe it would work. But on this page right here, it's dumb. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of dumb when Robert Downey Jr. says something like that too. But you could enjoy it because he's charismatic. There's no charisma. There's no charisma on the page. It's it just doesn't it just doesn't fly. Um, in terms of what happened in this issue, uh, like I said, I I, I was kind of mixed because on the one hand, the twist was something that you could see coming a mile long. That you know the the Korean scroll were 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 joining forces and that it was a good thing and you know the Avengers were incorrect about their assumptions or whatever. Um, oh, I didn't see it and, coming. Well, you don't read superhero comics. Um, that fair is your first event. It like. probably is honestly like concurrently. Yeah, outside of heroes. <laughs> yeah, and so that that that's that's fine. It's fine that the Kotati are actually bad. I'm not bothered by the fact that it was so um, so telegraphed. But I just don't get how the Avengers and the Fantastic Four have been doing this for so long. And they're so blind. It feels like Al and Dan wanted to tell this story. And so they're just like, look, I don't care if it makes sense. I'm going to make it make sense. They're going to be dumb today. That's what we're doing. And that's frustrating. I respect I being feel dumb. Like, I feel like with the um, <laughs> the Avenger side of it, I can kind of like, I feel like you can justify it a little bit because there is like the whole, like it seems like they're being like kind of mind controlled a little bit, you know, and like th- there's kind of a, a, a nod to that in the Avengers. But who specifically? Um, Oh, uh, so in the first issue, I was thinking, like, how weirdly, like, connected Tony feels to everything, like, obviously felt artificial. Um, And then in this issue, there's kind of a nod to that with Hulk, uh, with She-Hulk as well, where, like, Thor and her have a conversation, and he's like, okay, like, she seems a little weird, and, like, her eye does that weird glow thing, and, like... So, like, for the Avengers acting dumb or, like, not seeing it, I, I'm, like, kind of, like, all right, fine. But um, that doesn't explain the, the positions that you were bringing up about, like, the Fantastic Four of, like, I feel like well, you guys could have handled this a lot better and, like, should. Well, the, the four, like, at the end of their uh, Zero issue, they just walked up to this thing. Like you, it, you know, the Avengers one, they pull up with the Armada or whatever. But if you read the Fantastic Four Zero issue, the the end of that issue is, oh shit, what's this? (laughs) That's kind of funny. (laughs) So with with She-Hulk, She-Hulk is savage right now. Um, So she's supposed to be um, mindless. The reason she's not is because of that hammer that she's holding. But that hammer is something that is also mind-controlling her. That's very obvious from this issue. Um, as far as the other characters, though, I I don't know. Maybe they'll reveal that they were all being controlled. But if that's the case, I don't see why she needed the hammer. Um, 
something's missing for me here. This doesn't feel this doesn't feel big enough like the Kotani? Really? That's 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 the big threat. That's the big bad. It was a good twist. <laughs> it, it was a twist. Yeah. What a twist. It was yeah. a twist. Yeah, for it's like I said earlier, for me the it, it's the hulkling aspect of it and that's about yeah. it. So, that's the thought that I had reading it is and this is unfortunately a feeling I feel a lot with Marvel event books, and maybe you're right, Sean, in that this is worse than typical. I don't. I feel. I find myself not caring about the Avengers or Fantastic Four angle of it. What I, the only thing I really find myself engaged in is the cosmic Marvel stuff, where it's like, oh, this stuff's kind of interesting, but the fact that these Earth characters are being dragged in and like they're just like exposition machines, I'm kind of like, uh, I don't care about any of this. The reason you don't care about them is because they're not actors. They're not doing anything. There's right, no, they're reactors. Yeah, there's 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 never a single moment in this issue where and and not in either of the zero issues, by the way, where the Avengers or the Fantastic Four do anything to advance the narrative or take control of the situation. Uh they never know anything. They're always wrong. Uh and they have been duped. So they're dumb. They're like baby faces in WWE. There's nothing to care about because they suck. And yeah, it just yeah, go ahead. It just feels like they're stumbling ass backwards into a situation. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing intriguing or interesting about your main characters always being stupid. Yeah, but that's but, totally but, fair. But but Thor threw that hammer that one time. That was cool. Marco you know, loves like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to repeat the same point, but I think it's worth mentioning again that Reed Richards is the smartest person, and is he, he right? yeah. I, I mean, he looked at his wife, and he was in awe of her. That's pretty smart. He was distracted. <laughs> that is if pretty smart. Thing, yeah. She's if there's one thing I've learned being married, <laughs> I was is that was a good move. It was a good move. Yeah, it's a good move. It's true. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I've, and to note it down somewhere. <laughs> smart thinking. There you go. May this be a lesson to you, uh, single boys. Mm-hmm. I'm not listening. That's uh, I I I, th- <laughs> I think Phil summed it up well, and honestly, I think like that's the point I'm kind of like comfortable leaving it on. Where um, when I, I made the comment about like it feeling just like a, a an event book, I mean like it feels like another event book of not that's not of consequence. Right of where it just feels like let's take a bunch of popular characters and then a couple characters that we're trying to get over and throw them into a situation and whatever. It, it and did, yeah, like it, it does. It doesn't. To your point, Sean. Like I just I don't feel like I don't feel like the characters who are being presented as the main characters and the actors of this story like feel like they have any place in it. It feels it's like just another. Uh, it, it feels like a, just right, like exactly. another another onslaught from the Cree <laughs> and Scroll. God like, damn it! <laughs> it's just you know I I don't know how else to contextualize it. Let's talk All about right. death metal. Well, <laughs> unless anyone else has anything else to say about this issue, I think we can move on to the main event. Yeah, it's whatever. The main event. 
Let's talk about a good book, bro. Let's talk about a good fucking book. Let's talk about Dark Knight. (laughs) Oh, the good book. Hold on a second. (laughs) Let me tell you about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No, this this one's about hell, Kale. It says on a highway to hell on the covers. Let's talk about Satan. Uh, That's why I didn't read it. (laughs) Guys, let Sean talk, and then Thrusting Metal can jump in. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Let's talk about death metal. Let's talk about Dark Knight's death metal number two. Uh, So this issue, of course, was brought to us by Scott Curseword Snyder and Greg (laughs) the Chosen One Capullo. But there's a few other people who helped present this. Uh, Jonathan Godkiller Glapion with colors by FCO Fearmonger. Placencia. I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. This issue brought us a talking Batmobile. You gotta uh, love and it. and Batum. The Batmobile. The Batum. The no, Batum no. was so good. That was the best. That was such a good intro. The Batum. I was like, yo, that's such a clever idea. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Just, that's what I, I I mean that's that's like honestly, it's one of the things I love about this book. You know, is that like it just it goes to pl- places like that? Like it's like <laughs> he's like I'm gonna teach them that big things come in small squish. Like, yeah, so good, <laughs> so good. It's just it's very clever. Yeah, um, and this issue definitely didn't let up on the gags and things like that from the first issue. I think we we had mentioned that, or at least I had mentioned that. I thought that maybe uh, issue two would be a little bit more of a serious affair, and it, it wasn't. Uh, it's it's nope. still definitely uh, tongue-in-cheek, definitely not meant to be taken too seriously. Um, but it does move. It does move. There's a lot that happens in this in this issue. Um, we get the rebirth of the man in the, the man in black, the man who laughs, who is now. <laughs> The Joker who laughs? The the man. Very much. The man who laughs. Oh. Yeah. Um, so he's reborn. We got... What else do we get? Um, Bat, Batmobile gets killed by Swamp Thing immediately after yeah. being introdu- introduced. That was pretty great. There's a lot of Swamp Thing for you here, Marco. There was a lot of Swamp Thing. I was excited about that, actually. <laughs> we lost, we have to say, rest in peace, actually, to uh, B-Rex. Yes, I was I sad. Know. Dude, that broke yeah. my heart. That was a bummer. I saved that picture. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite character was um uh what's his name? Al Alfred. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what the hell is going on with him. Alf Alfred. Alfred. Uh Alfred. so Phil, remember in <laughs> it was in. Uh, it was during. It was during Grant Morrison's run. There are those those clones of Batman, right? Wasn't that a thing where they're like those mindless, the the, the, the mindless ones, or something like that? That's a Marvel. Yeah, concept. but there's isn't there that's a DC like a, version yeah. of that where the? Yeah, that's what Alfred yes, is. He's one of those, and those characters are so creepy, <laughs> yeah. sir, sir. You shall become a bat father. 
Like, what the hell? <laughs> There's a lot of that in this issue, and I love it. <laughs> it's wild. Um, we got we got the the Batman in Black being placed in the body of Doctor Manhattan or Doc. That was Doctor 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 Batman. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is how you do Watchmen shit right. You just make it dumb. <laughs> That's what I love about this book, dude. It just it doesn't give a fuck. It doesn't give a single fuck, and it's great. Like the the <laughs> this is one of the dumbest fucking panels in this book, and I thought it was so funny when when the man who laughs is in the new body, and he's like, "My power is still weak. I could use a like minded ally. Tell me, boy, would you like to be my Robin King?" And he goes, "Crone." <laughs> I loved it. Was, like, that was excellent. so fucking. It's so fucking dumb. Yeah, it is, no, dude. It was it's, excellent. It's bad. It's not. No, no, Marco, you're wrong. It's not. <laughs> no, it's like not it is dumb, but it's good. It's good dumb. There's such a thing as it's so bad it's good, and that's what a lot of this no. book is. Yes, when he's, there is when the bat who laughs calls out to his queen, and it's just this fucking random ass bitch. <laughs> Conquering planets and shit. I was just like, okay, I'm here. You're my queen as well, dude. I can't. Yeah, like I, I am totally. Phil and I are on the same page with this. We're like, I love this book because it's dumb. It's big and dumb and loud, just like like OG fucking heavy metal cover album. You know, like album covers and stuff. Like that's the energy. This is like Iron Maiden album cover the comic and it's fucking hilarious and i love it yeah this book's got loud <laughs> yes and it's ready to smoke um, it. i don't know i think i might be with marco man dude yeah. i love oh, it thank god you're i assume you didn't like it kale i just can't get into that. even with the last the the last metal i just can't get into this series i just it's so over the top and, and and I said it before I just I can't buy into the uh the concept of Batman being the the biggest threat to anything that's so that's it doesn't like that's not fun to me like that's normal whatever that's normally very annoying and I agree but that's like the entire thesis of Scott Snyder's Batman comics and so if you can't get into that in any way which I totally understand and respect uh, for me, I I just un- I understand what Scott Snyder's deal is. I guess I feel like I do. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm assuming a lot there, but that that the payoff is all here, and it's to me where it's just like, yeah, okay, you do your thing, King. I'm willing to accept that this book is not for me. Uh, that's totally cool, but I I don't know. Like it's funny and everything, and I definitely laughed, and I understand that that's actually the point but i i i feel like there could also be substance i i don't feel like it has to be all just crazy randomness i feel like there can also be heartfelt moments there can also be you know compelling stuff but i just don't feel like they're interested in that yeah and i think that's where like i draw the line on it's just like it feels like superhero comic book shit i'm just like ah i'm i'm out it's not Oh, but you're in an onslaught. I mean, (laughs) shit, dude. Like, that has weight to it, though. Onslaught, yo, it has, like, Professor X who has his 
psychic persona that's been infected by his own negativity. I don't want to talk about this anymore. No, dude, it's, it, it's honestly, no. honestly, no. Onslaught is not right. as bad as this. It's like... It's, no, because you're right. It's not as bad as this because this isn't bad. It's good. No, it's not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, no, it is not. There, 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 there are things that really bothered me in this mm. issue. Um, there's two over-the-top expositional panels that drove me insane. Yes. Uh, the, the second one is where Swamp Thing says, As an elemental, I communicate with all oh living God, plants. Yeah. But as a Bro, human, but he does. Yeah, but no one talks like that, dude. Bro, but he does. He's an elemental. You can't just step on Swamp Thing like that. And to be fair, if you watch the Swamp Thing TV show, that's exactly <laughs> how he talks. As an elemental. And I'm not making... That is not a joke. As a podcaster, I must say, I have a sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I get it. But I think this book is great. I, I I'm like I'm totally picking up what it's putting down. I think it's like it it's owning that it wants to be dumb, and like I respect that. Listen, I'm I'm glad you guys are having fun. I don't. Know. I think there's way too many like there's way too many books. Strange Adventures. I, I think what I dig about this is that <laughs> there are so many superhero books that are like. <laughs> This is about something, and it's not, and it's like, Strange and it adventures. wants to have weight, but it doesn't. And I like that this is just like, no, this really isn't fucking about anything. It's just like smashing action figures together. And it's like, yeah, like I'm I'm here for that. It's fun. It's a popcorn. But comedy. Pete, this is about something, but it's not about something. Oh, go on, I, please. Tell me more. I, I just can't. <laughs> well, at this point, like we just, we just did the book club for death metal, right? And Sean was all about this. This story is actually about you know comic books and telling stories and how the the broader meta narrative. And you know this shit's gonna be like, well, this is actually about how when you resurrect a character and use the IP of a dead guy and like it's just it's fine, yes, whatever. That book is better for sure. You can you can definitely say all that through Batman. You're right. Yes, I think I think in some ways that that first uh, Dark Knight's book is. Maybe like Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Magnum Opus, and that's a really good book. And then I really like the idea of subverting that into something stupid. It's like <laughs> let's take something meaningful and make it awful, and I'm kind of into it. Well, what what I what I also <laughs> find frustrating is that Scott Snyder spent the better part of the last two years telling the interim story between between the metal books. And making those things feel like they mattered. Like we went through all the stuff with, uh, you know, Apex Lex and Perpetua, his whole Justice League run, all of that, the man who laughs, everything to get to a book where nothing matters. That's totally fair. If I read any of that, I probably would feel the same way as you, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And like as someone who only has the context of the first book, which I also enjoyed for you know, the same reasons. Well, that's a good um, book. Like the Bible. Sure. <laughs> it's not like the Bible. How dare Sorry, you? Kale. Yeah, you're right. It's, that's it's, that's it's, a good it's book. It's way more readable. <laughs> it's way more down to earth. I don't need fucking spark notes to understand it. <laughs> don't need apologetics to understand death metal. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Dude, I'm telling you, all you need to understand death metal is a beer. 
<laughs> just drink a fucking beer and put on some Metallica and read this fucking issue. Yeah, right? I, I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm being um, a negative Nancy. No, not at all, Sean. Not at all. Hey, hey, Sean. Hey, welcome to my side of the house. Welcome. It's damp and dingy over here in the negative side, but like, you know, we make it a home. It's all right. That's always been my nickname for you, dingy. <laughs> damp and dingy. Sean, Sean you got to come back to the light. Dude. I don't know, man. I don't know. We've got a sweaty couch that we all sit on. Marco loves it. Love couches. <laughs> You really want you really want to be on the same side as Marco and Kale? Just one guy who's just a fucking bummer, and the other one who likes onslaught. I don't know, man. Bro, it's not bad. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you whose side I'm on. I'm on my side because I'm on the side of people who understood. Oh, here we fucking go. (laughs) That the dialogue in Empire was absolutely dreadful. That's the side I'm on. <laughs> oh, hold on. No um, one disagreed with you. Well, Marco did. Bro, Marco did. That's bro, fair. That's the Marco Marco did like it. Bro, that's the best Star Wars movie. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? Yeah, the art was still good. good. I mean, this is Greg Capullo. Like, he's <laughs> yeah, was crazy good. talented. He's a that legend. age of the, the debut of The Darkest Night, first of all, that looked like it was from Kingdom Hearts. He looked like one of the Heartless. But yeah, yeah dude, like but absolutely. Once I got past that, I was like, "Oh man, for me this is cool as shit," and I could definitely see people wanting to own this page uh, as a piece of art. And uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, you mean not not the Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman that robot? Because that's the page it. I was I that shit, angry that shit when I saw that. That shit is so silly. It's so dumb oh, you looking. Know, you don't know about the composite Superman, Batman, My and man. Wonder Woman? That's that's old yes, shit. Sir. Wonder Woman's the yeah. new Wonder Woman's the new edition. In uh, it was Ed McGuinness and Jeff Loeb Adventure. in uh, Superman yeah. Batman Public Enemies. Uh, they do uh, they have Toy Man build a composite Superman Batman because robot. of a kryptonite uh, meteor that's coming to Earth and Captain yep. Adam pilots yep. it. You guys Whoa! Like it now, oh my God! That's why he's at the beginning. Batam. No, I liked it. I no, liked it. Wrong Adam. <laughs> oh, is it the wrong Adam? Yeah, Adam's the guy who shrinks. Captain Adam's the dude that controls the quantum realm, baby. How is that not small? Uh, he like has this kind of cool ability to control like all matter. It's like one of the four. Like, there's the weak force, the strong force, and the quantum. Not realm. interested. Listen, bro. Captain Adam's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad that some of us are still enjoying uh, Dark Knight's death metal. I am still on board to read it for sure, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I genuinely adore this book. I like of all all three of these. This was the one I was the most looking forward to, and it was the only one that didn't disappoint me. <laughs> <laughs> like facts. <laughs> like I knew exactly what to expect, and it gave it to me. It must be wild to be able to enjoy things. <laughs> yeah. Is what does it feel like? Well, do you remember how you felt when you were 16 and you read comics? Nope. Well, nope. No, I think you do because you constantly bring up old books that you read years ago when you were able to enjoy things. So I don't. I've, I've lost touch with that person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, that person has been dead for years. <laughs> I don't know, dog. Are you know, again, try a beer. He's not allowed to do that. Um, Always helps. Well, yeah. I have to hide my whiskey and coke. <laughs> he could he could drink 
Listen, he's allowed to drink the blood of Christ. <laughs> that now listen. We want to talk about all the right, sacrament. Body of Christ. Yeah. No, I don't I don't I actually at all. Want to leave a space for anyone who feels like they have more things to say about this book. An altar call, as it were. <laughs> Jets! <laughs> all right. I got nothing else. This book is dope. I wish you guys were enjoying it more. I'm having a great time with I, it. I do I do have a I do have something. I'm sorry. If I can lead all of the pals into a moment. Nope, this is nothing. <laughs> can you shut up, person? If I can lead. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Shut up. If I can lead all the pals here and in the world in a moment of silence for B Rex. Yeah, that away. was. Just a moment of silence, please. Very good. Sean. Very good. Thank you. Uh, I, I was just going to say, yeah. Oh, fucking savage. Dude, you just took an invisible chainsaw, right? Oh, My man said the quiet part loud. Yep. You said what I was about to say, and I'm glad you said it. Yo, real, can we talk about why did Wonder Woman have, why does she have highlights in her hair? Why does she have, like, frosted I- tips? Oh, I like that, dude. No, I like it, but I don't. It's, it's dope. Whatever. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Who's great. that? Like old, like whack Batman. Who the hell is that? Whackman. <laughs> the whack Wait, which one? one? He, he has like the wizard, the one that looks like Doctor Strange no. Batman. Yeah, I dig like him. Do- I don't know. He doesn't look like Doctor Strange. I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, made that. I like them. He's just like an evil magic guy. All right, anyway. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Whether you like this issue or didn't or, you know, agree or disagree with our opinions about any of these books, you should write in and let us know what you thought. Um, Right now, I'm on the disappointed side for both of Marvel and DC's events. But uh, let us know what you think. Write in. Hit us up on social media at the Comics Pals. You can write to us at the Pals at gmail.com. And of course, if you're watching this on YouTube or not, you can go over to YouTube and uh, leave us a comment, like the video, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. All of those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. While you're at it, if you are just being a good dude or dudette, you can uh, go to the podcast hosting platform of your choice and leave us a review. That always helps, and we appreciate it a lot. Book club-wise, the Kill or Be Killed book club is out, and you can go check that out um, if you haven't yet. If you've read the book, or if you haven't read the book, go give that a listen. We had a lot of fun doing it, and I think uh, we all stand by the quality, so give that a listen. With that, let's do some plugs. Pete. Thank you for joining us here in another episode of The Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Come talk with me about why Dark Knight's Death Metal is the event comic of our of our time. Um, if you want to get some more content from me, uh, you can head over uh, to loopots.com where I host a weekly Nintendo podcast called The Potscast. Uh, and yeah, that's that's it. Bye. All right. <laughs> Kale. It's the event oh, wait, comic fuck, of our my time. Kickstarter. You're, You're out. out. You're out. No. <laughs> Shut up, Bill. You didn't even show up last week, all right? 
Go fucking back my Kickstarter. Long friend, time friend. We're doing an album. It's great. Thank you. Bye. Everything's shit and nothing makes sense. I'm, I'm Kale Ward at Toto and Toes. T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Go wow. Off. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Mar- Marco. <laughs> Follow me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter. Come talk to me about why Onslaught is the comic book event of our time. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's all I'm reading. So come talk to me about that. If you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, I'll tell you why you're wrong. Amazing. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. <laughs> Hit me up to talk about good comics. And uh, if you feel like you want to challenge Marco to any type of any any type of altercation at all. Um, hit me up to facilitate that and I will. Let's go! You just gotta skip my plugs like that? Is that what's, yep. is that what's going on? Right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Phil, 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 tell the ladies where they can find no, you. No, don't. They can't. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Quick, quick, quick. Cyber Bebop, Instagram, Twitter, go. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing <laughs> off. Take care, guys. This episode was an onslaught of people's ears. (laughs) See you next week!